Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Is he ready for prime time? Well, we'll tell you in just about a minute. It is Fox Football Sunday. He is Bucky Brooks, I'm Andy Furman, and by the way, we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Here he is, the man who played in the NFL, been there, done that. My partner and friend, Bucky Brooks. Hello, Buck, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. What's going on, Andy? How you doing? I tell you what, this is the best time of the year. And in a sense that it's not the best time of the year because in a several weeks there'll be no more football, so it's not the best time of the year. It's, it's kind of the end, the end of the road. But let's enjoy it while we can. They were down to the final eight. And uh, yesterday, I, I got to ask you about this Giants team. I mean, all the good that they did, all the good that they came back and made the playoffs for the first time at eons, and they come back and they lay a bomb. I mean, look, I, I, I didn't think – I didn't think they would win. I really didn't because they played the Eagles twice. They got pounded both times, something like 48-22 and 22-16. Eagles, one of the top teams, if not the top team in the National Football League this year. But to come out there and be as flat as they were yesterday and to get drubbed, and that's what they did, 38-7. to I heard the clicks. I heard the clicks nationwide of the TVs being turned off at halftime. That's how ugly it was. Yeah, it was ugly, but I think it's it's less about the Giants and more about the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's give them their flowers for the team that they are. Number one seed, and they proved they They dominated from beginning to end. Uh, Jalen Hurts was a guy that was celebrated as an MVP candidate prior to his injuries at the end of the year. Uh, he showed that he had that capability and that he deserved to be in that conversation. What happens in the playoffs, the deeper that you get into the, 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 the tournament, the more your flaws are exposed. And what we saw is that the Giants, look, they were held together by Duck Tate. It was a great coaching job by Brian Dayball and his staff, but player for player, they're not ready to match up with the better teams in the league. And so it played out in real time in front of us in the postseason. Hats off to them for a great regular season run, but this was a bit of reality for Joe Shane, for Brian Dayball to know exactly where their team is and the things that they need to do to get this team to be one of the heavyweights in the league. 
No, I, I certainly agree. And a lot of questions are now on the table for the Giants. We'll get to them in a second. But I want to hear uh, the Eagles coach, Nick Sirianni, after that game. A happy coach talking about Jalen Hurts. I mean, uh, so much for that shoulder injury, which you heard so much about and the question marks on him. So Nick Sirianni praising his quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who really and truly had a whale of a game. 16 for 24, 154, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. He rushed for like 34 yards. So and the Giants couldn't stop him. But here's the question I have for you, Bucky Brooks, because you played the game. And you have the answers, okay? I, I get that the, the Giants want to play the, the riverboat gambler. But we're, then they're on the uh, fourth down, and they elected to go for fourth and long early, and they punted away in midfield when they were trailing by 21. I had to scratch my head. I've never played in the NFL. I never coached in the NFL. But I got a little bit of sense. I'm saying, wait a minute. You're punting early on, and you're down by 21? I mean, I, I, I don't understand the logic there. It, it looked to me like it was almost a panic situation. Yeah, I don't know if it's a panic situation. I think Brian Dayball knows this team, and he knows this team couldn't be in a track meet. And so regardless of the moment saying, hey, man, you need to go forward, like the, the game is slipping away, you always have to play to the strengths of your team. And what he was hoping for is, hey, we played great defense for most of this run. Maybe we can find a way to slow them down. We can get back to running the football and kind of playing within ourselves, and we'll find a way to climb back into the game. It didn't work for them. But I can't blame him for his tactical strategies because he's done a really good job of kind of masking this team's flaws throughout the year. It just happened that they went against a much better team. And sometimes when you're standing on the sideline, you know when the other team is much better than you. Okay, and I think the major question right now, you got to talk about his quarterback. I mean, he was so good against the Vikings a week ago, and certainly you can't compare the Vikings' defense as opposed to the Philadelphia Eagles' defense, but he's going to be a free agent, Daniel Jones, okay? And uh, against the Vikings, like he passed for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, around for 78 in that win last week. Yesterday, he was dreadful, really, 15 for like 27, 135, an interception. It just, it, it just was not the same kind of guy. What do they do? That's the question. What do the Giants do now with Daniel Jones? Do they re-up him? He's a free agent. Yeah, I mean, I think you take the uh, look at the entire body of work, and if you look at how he performed throughout the season, uh, he's worthy of coming back. Now, what the Eagles did is they let us know that he's not a $40 million quarterback, meaning he's not a guy that can take over the game. He's not a guy that is ready to be on the, the, the cusp of being elite, but he's a solid quarterback. And until the Giants have an opportunity to upgrade the, the position, I think you continue to go with Daniel Jones. You work with him. You hope that he can continue to improve. But then if there is an upgrade out there down the line, meaning in a year or two, you jump on the opportunity to ask someone who can give you better um, production, better performance at a position in the long term. Let's see what Daniel Jones has to say for himself after the ball game last night when they got pounded 38-7. Go ahead, Danny. We came along the way this year. We accomplished a lot, and uh, you know we got a special group of guys in that locker room, and it was a, a special thing to be a part of. So certainly not satisfied with where we are, but you know a lot of appreciation and, and respect for the guys in the locker room. Okay, at least it wasn't the Zach Wilson sandbite where he said, it's not me, it's not on me. So, you know, he, he gave credit where credit was due, and look, he knows in his heart of hearts that he didn't perform and the team didn't perform. And look, to me, it was almost like a varsity against a JV last night. Did you think of the, in, in that terms a little bit there, Buck? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you get that sense. It's hard. And Brian Dayball told us how hard it is to get to this part of the tournament. It doesn't seem like much because you have the wild card runs and divisional round, but it's really hard because you're talking about the eight best teams in the, in the league that are participating. 
And there's a huge difference between good and great in this league. And there are only a handful of teams that are great in this league. The Eagles are a great team from top to bottom. Offensive line, defensive line, the weapons that they have on the perimeter on offense, the quarterback that can play at an MVP level. There's a huge gap between those teams. And the only way that the Jazz could knock off the Philadelphia Eagles is if the Eagles allowed them to stay in the game. Turnovers, penalties, big plays allowed, those things. The Eagles didn't give them anything. And because of that, we saw the score by the lopsided margin. That just kind of speaks to the difference in talent between these two teams. You know, I, I was somewhat impressed, and I'll tell you why. We knew the Eagles were good, and there was always a question, were they ranked number one most of the season? Yes, they were. But then they kind of hit like a, a skid down the stretch. They were not the Eagles of old uh, early on. Down the stretch, they were a little uh, shaky, so to speak, and they came back at full strength. And maybe the shakiness had to do with the Jalen Hurts injury. I mean, down the stretch, they, they had lost, what, two out of their last three. They lost to Dallas at Dallas. They lost to New Orleans, and they did beat the Giants 22-16 before the playoffs came. And certainly they had a week's rest, which helped as well, and playing at home helps. But, you know, now it looks like they're at full strength again. Yeah, and you go through that. It's a long season. Um, it's, it's a marathon. And so it's impossible to think that they're going to be able to sprint and be at their best the entire season. But what I give Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff credit for is getting the team back on track. Yeah, they, they, they stumbled a little bit. Garner Minshew had to play a couple games when Jalen Hurts was out, and so it didn't look great. The season finale, you didn't know which team was going to show up, and it was a tight game against the Giants, and so it gave you concerns heading into the tournament. They took the bye week off. They got back on track with the fundamentals, their focus, and, man, the team that showed up uh, last night, that's the team that's been dominating the entire year, and that's the scary team when it comes to looking at this team in the remainder of the tournament. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, this just came right out of the gate. It was 14 nothing before you could even go to the toilet, really. It was unbelievable last night. And they just ran him out the field. But, you know, we talk about Daniel Jones being a free agent and certainly, you know, one of the options. So I think they'll, they'll tag him a little bit. He'll be back. I think he'll be back with the Giants. What about Saquon Barkley? I mean, not a great game for him, and they didn't have the lanes open for him. They couldn't get him going, and certainly that defense had a lot to do with it. Nine carries for 61 yards. I, I, I just... I was shocked, so to speak, because he had a great season. He really did. He carried that team most of the year, and now Charles, now, now uh, Saquon Barkley is is a free agent as well. Yeah, I think both guys have to be back. And, you know, what you would like to do is you, you, you use both of these guys, not necessarily negotiating against each other, but one guy gets the franchise tag, the other guy has to be on a long-term deal. Which one is the easiest guy to sign? I think you go to the ne negotiation and train of them secured on a long-term deal, knowing that you always have the franchise tag in your back pocket. Worst case, if you have to pick, you want to keep the quarterback because that's the central hub of your offense. So you want to be able to sign him to a long-term deal and then franchise Saquon Barkley while you're working towards that because the franchise tag is lower for running backs. But both guys need to be back because, let's be honest, those guys are the, the offense. They don't have any blue players outside of Saquon and Daniel Jones. And so those guys have to come back and then they need to add some pieces in the offseason. You know, I know you were a proponent of the San Francisco 49ers going all the way, Super Bowl team. I'll tell you, 
this this Eagles team right now, and I was really impressed. I hadn't seen them play much during the season, but they have they have star players almost at every position. You got Devontae Smith, AJ Brown receiving the ball. They're running the football, Miles Sanders. And I tell you what, when the Eagles turned it around last year, how did they turn it around? They became a running football team. That's what they did. They realized that let's use Hurts' legs, and they did. Uh, before that, they they were floundering. They they weren't the power that they are right now. They realized that we're going to be successful, and how we're going to be successful by running the football. Miles Sanders, Hurts, and also now they picked up A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, so they could balance that offense a little bit. But basically, they're a run-strong offense. They are a run-heavy offense. And in being a run-heavy offense, what they've been able to do is lean into the strengths of their team. When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and you look at how they draft, normally their first picks are always an offensive or defensive lineman. They believe in building the team up front. So the foundation is solid. They can dominate at the line of scrimmage. And what we saw in that game, the dominance from their trench warriors, their O-line and their D-line dominated the game, which made it easy for Jalen Hurst and company to run for a bunch of yards. Uh, It made it easy for the secondary to really clamp down on the uh, receivers on the outside because the pass rush can get home. Uh, This is a dominant team. Howie Roseman has done an excellent job of putting together this roster. And I'm going to tell you, Andy, What's scary for the rest of the league, they have a bunch of top picks. Yeah. they got a bunch of first-round picks where they can add to the talent and continue to kind of build this thing out where they're always in the conversation as one of the top teams in the league. I want to give kudos to Michael Strahan. I watched the pregame show, and you talk about loyalty. Everybody from Terry Bradshaw down the, the list, I mean, you, you name it, they were all picking the Eagles by 8, by 9, by 10, Jimmy Johnson by 10. But when it came to Michael Strahan, I think in his heart of hearts, he knew the Eagle team was a better team, but he's a giant through and through, and he said the Giants were going to win. There you go. And he said, me and Mr. Jones. That's what he was singing last night, but it didn't work out. So I, I give kudos to Michael Strahan, loyal guy. Yeah, loyalty is a big thing, and I appreciate him sticking with his squad. He knew his team was overmatched, though. Right. And it, it played out in real time for us. But they're, they're, there was a path for them to win. They never could get control of the game from the jump. And so it ended up being the lopsided score that it was. But hats off to the Giants on a great season. None of us expected them to win nine games, a playoff win, get into the tournament, any of that thing. I think if anything, Brian Dable has a lot of confidence that the coaching and tactics are right, and then they got to get the roster right. There you go. You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, but or we could talk about how with Discover you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Now, here's the lineup for today. We got Bucky Remembers in this hour, hour number two, bottom barrel betting. And Mike Harmon joins us. The Swollen Dome, he'll have Bucky's best in hour number three. And you can get Bucky Brooks at Bucky Brooks on Twitter, at Swollen Dome, that's Mike Harmon, at Andy Furman FSR, or 877-99 on Fox. That's our phone number, 877-996-6369. One NFL team is back in a familiar place. We'll explain that 
next. Pauly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. As you all know, we're the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Pauly and Tony Fusco Show. Numero uno. Yeah, and we know why millions of people tune in every week. Yeah. They want to hear us talk sports, not our idiot guests who think they know more about sports than we do. Yeah, listen to these dummies. You don't know crap about sports. Nothing. Uh, you don't know nothing uh, about football. This is the worst thing Wait, I've ever he's been still on the line. Get off the show. Off the show. You don't know Basketball. If you want to hear how sports talk should be done, yeah. listen to the Polly and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Will the main man be ready? Well, we'll tell you in just about a minute, about 21 minutes past the hour. This is Fox Football Sunday. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. And football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. That's right. Tune in on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, as well as we take you to the live broadcast all the way to the kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart. Heart Radio app presented by Bet MGM. All right, Buck, let's go back now in time to week 10 in the NFL season. The Kansas City Chiefs were playing Jacksonville at that time. Kansas City won 2017. All right, in that game, Patrick Mahomes, 331 yards, four touchdowns, and an INT. In that game, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback of Jacksonville, sacked five times. A little bit different last night. Final score 27 20. Mahomes only passed for 195. Injured as well. Uh, when he went down, what were your immediate thoughts, Bucky Brooks? Well, the immediate thoughts that I had were the same ones that were shared by everybody in the stadium. Uh-oh. 
huge development. Uh, you can see the energy in the stadium change on both sidelines. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs automatically were concerned. Uh, you now have a backup quarterback that's going in the game. You're trying to figure out what are we going to do because Pat Mahomes is so integral to what we do offensively. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, there was a, a sense of optimism in terms of, man, we have an opportunity right now to flip the momentum of the game. And so I'm sitting there trying to figure out how it's going to play out. And then mm -hmm. you have a punt that puts the ball down at the one-yard line, two-yard line, with Chad Henney running onto the field. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought the Jaguars were going to close the door, have a three-and-out, get an opportunity to maybe get a cheap score while Pat Mahomes was on the sideline. But he returns to a game that is a lot different than the one that he left. You know, I was shocked that Chad Henney could come off the bench cold like that and lead that team to a score. And really and truly, I, I was shocked at the same time that Jacksonville did not put more pressure on him. I, I just didn't understand that as all. Well. I mean, it, it was strange to me what he did. I mean, Chad Henney coming off the bench leading him to a score, and that basically broke the back to some extent of Jacksonville. Yeah, it, it was a bit surprising. It was surprising that the Jaguars were not able to change gears. And put pressure on Chad Henney or make him throw under duress, whether it's pressure, whether it's changing coverage or those things. But I will say the Jaguars had an opportunity to get off the field early. There was a deflection at the line of scrimmage. Foyer Aluakon has an opportunity to fall into an interception. Doesn't come down with it. Couple plays later, you have a roughing the passer penalty, which was suspect. Arden Key hit Chad Henney. They give him 15 yards. And then the next play or the next play, after that, I think Isaiah Pacheco then breaks out for a 39-yard run. And so when you think about that, uh, the big run and then the 15-yard penalty, you're talking about over 50 yards of that 98-yard drive happened in two plays that the Jaguars certainly could control. Uh, but right. that was the biggest drive of the moment because it allowed the, the Kansas City Chiefs to go from a three-point lead to a 10-point a lead, which was significant at that time. You know, I would say this for those who maybe didn't even watch the game. If you look at the box score, you could see that if a team playing the Kansas City Chiefs loses the time of possession, loses the turnover battle, you got no shot. And that's basically what Jacksonville did. It was, it was as simple as that. You could talk about Travis Kelsey all day long. And here's a guy of the uh, Chiefs jumped out to that 17-10 lead. He had two touchdowns right from the jump. But and he had 10 catches in the first half. Number one. Do you agree with the fact that you lose a time of possession, a turnover battle against KC, you're up the creek, you can't win? Well, I will agree with you about the turnover battle because the turnovers were significant. But let me break down the strategy and what this was about. And so one of the, re the ways that the Jaguars wanted to play the Kansas City Chiefs is they wanted them to make them have extended drives by taking away the big play. They didn't want to give up the deep ball. They wanted to see if Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs could stay disciplined enough to drive the ball at the length of the field on four- and five-yard gains. The odds tell you that if the team on offense has the ball more than 10 plays, something bad is going to happen for them. A penalty, uh, a drop pass, field execution, something's going to happen to put them behind the chance. The Kansas City Chiefs went down the field. The first touchdown drive was 12 plays. I want to say the next touchdown drive was over 10 plays. And so they defied the odds. But the whole goal for Doug Peterson was to get the game into the fourth quarter. And so, Andy, when you look at the fourth quarter, it's, it's what, 20 to 17? It's a three-point game in the right. fourth quarter with under 12 minutes left. The game is right there for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think what people will fail to recognize, the turnover 
by Jamal Agnew. Right. They had an opportunity either to pull it to seven or to pull it to three with six minutes left. And that puts an immense amount of pressure on Pat Mahomes and the offense to come up with a series of first downs to close the game up. And so the strategy was right. The, 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 the approach was right. The execution was wrong in the fourth quarter. And that is really the deciding factor. And Jamal Agnew fumbled that ball on the six-yard line right by the end zone, and that basically was it. And then another big turnaround, I would think, with that, that Christian Kirk missing that deep pass that could have been a Jaguars touchdown. I think it was a tripping penalty at the time. That was late in the second quarter. And then, as you mentioned, that two turnovers in the fourth quarter. So that basically did him in. I, I want to take a listen to what, what Patrick Mahomes had to say after the game last night. Let's, let's listen to number 15. Obviously, I missed some throws. Probably think I could have made if I would have been in the right the right foot position. But luckily for me, I'm not in the right foot position all the time, so I'm able to make some throws like that, anyways. Amazing. You know what I enjoy about Patrick Mahomes? I I, I think that he he's not a blowhard. Number one. Number two. He makes it fun. I mean, when I watch a game, I enjoy watching it because I, I think that you don't know what to expect, and he's very entertaining. You know, from a fan's point of view, and you, you may look at it differently as a football player, former football player's point of view, but from a fan's point of view, he's an entertaining guy and you like watching him play. And I just think he's just, he's locked up the MVP trophy again this year. There's no doubt in my mind. He did lock it up. And he locked it up because of his toughness uh, to go with his talent. I would say last night, I, I gained even more appreciation and respect for him because I don't think anyone understood how bad that ankle was. He could barely walk. I mean, like, you can see him gimping along, trying to hand the ball off on these outside runs when they're under center. Uh, the way that he was hurting the Jaguars early in the game was by extended time in the pocket, kind of moving around and then finding guys late. Well, when he uh, hurt his ankle, he couldn't do that. And so for him to find different angles to work around, uh, it was a great job on his part. But let me say this. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid deserves all the kudos and the flowers that you can give a head coach for his ability to change in the middle of the game. Uh, At a time when everyone in the league is looking for a young coach because they feel like the young coach is the way to go when it comes to leading the team, Andy Reid is an example of what experience does in terms of having a level of expertise. When he lost Pat Mahomes and had to deal with Chad Henney, he immediately changed the way the Kansas City Chiefs called plays and approached the game more runs, more inside stuff, simple concepts uh, to help Chad Henney get off because prior to the game, Chad Henney only had two pass attempts. And so I'll give uh, Pat Mahomes all the kudos and those things. But Andy Reid, man, he is just such an amazing coach. Uh, 20 postseason wins. And what you saw is all of that experience was in uh, was, was valuable because it enabled him to make uh, the kind of adjustments that you have to make to win games. There you go. I want to continue this with you, but we'll, we'll move along right now because we've got some updates. We've got six teams remaining. The five jobs are open. That's coming up next, live from the TireRack.com studios. But first, Nick Cope with all the sports. What's going on, guys? Good morning. Good morning, Nicky. By the way, for Chad Henney, that 98-yard touchdown drive he led, that was the longest drive in Chiefs playoff history. And another note from that ball game: Travis Kelsey, that was a career-high 14 catches he had. Only 98 yards, but he did have the two touchdowns. In the Eagles' dismantling of the Giants, 38-7 the final there. Eagles now have 75 sacks on the season when you factor in the playoffs and the regular season. That's the most most since the 85 Bears. So just to provide some context as to what the Eagles have done this season. For the Giants, well, 
their coordinators already going to have head coaching interviews coming up today for offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. He is scheduled to have interviews with the Panthers, the Texans, and the Colts. And defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, he is going to interview for the Colts head coach position as well. You guys were talking earlier about Saquon Barley. Barkley going to be a free agent well he said after the game that he can't envision that being his last game with the Giants so time will obviously tell but we will see with Saquon Barkley those his immediate thoughts after the game looking ahead to today's games in terms of the injury report for Bengals Bills coming up at 3 Eastern we know the offensive lineman out for the Bengals right guard Alex Kappa left tackle Jonah Williams both unable to go corner Trey Flowers also listed as Dalton for Cincy. On the other side for the Bills, a couple guys on the defensive line, nose tackle Jordan Phillips, defensive end Daquan Jones will both be game time decisions. For Niners Cowboys at 6.30 Eastern on Fox, corner Ambry Thomas is out for the Niners. He's been in a reserve role for much of the year, but a veteran name you might know, Janoris Jenkins, he's been called up from the practice squad to be a backup. Uh, For the Cowboys now, left tackle Jason Peters has been ruled out. They're expected to put the rookie Tyler Smith over to left tackle. He was at left guard and then they'll have Connor McGovern play left guard. Safety J. Ron Kersey was listed as questionable but he has said that he is 100% playing. In the NBA Celtics won their ninth in a row. They fend off the Warrior, the Raptors excuse me, on the road 106-104. Boston did not have Jason Tatum in the game. Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo missed his fifth game in a row. He's been dealing with a knee injury. Bucks fall to the Cavs 114 to 102. College basketball four ranked teams go down on Saturday number 11 Arizona ended number 5 UCLA's 14 game win streak 58-52 number 14 TCU handed number 2 Kansas their second straight loss 83-60 to it's the second worst home loss for Kansas under coach Bill Self also Oklahoma State over, over number 12 Iowa State 61-59 and Duke beat number 17 Miami 68-66 finally at the Australian Open the top American woman, third-seeded Jess Pagula, is into the quarterfinals. She has not dropped a set yet in the tournament. Let's go back to Andy Furman and Bucky Brooks. Thank you, Nick. We'll see you in about an hour. By the way, who's in? Who advances? We'll get to that in just about a minute. Bucky remembers in about five, six, seven minutes from now, whatever it may take. And by the way, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Got a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Now, let, let's continue here on this uh, situation with Kansas City. I'm looking at uh, Travis Kelsey, and look, I saw him playing college. I had no idea when he was playing at the University of Cincinnati that he would be the pro that he is right now, maybe the best tight end in football, maybe one of the top five tight ends of all time. Uh, last night they jumped up, the Kansas City Chiefs did, to a 17-10 halftime lead, two touchdowns by Travis Kelsey, 10 catches in the first half, tied the record for most receptions in the first half of a playoff game since 1991. He finished with 14 catches, 98 yards, two scores. You know, he led all tight ends this year in receptions at 110. My question is this. You're not going into the game. You're planning for the game. You're the defensive coordinator. How in the hell do you stop this guy? And how come they can't? I mean, Andy, he averaged seven yards a catch. It's amazing. I mean, seven yards a catch. That's, that's, that's nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot of reaction. And I've seen all the reaction people like, how can you let Travis Kelsey go off? Right. He's the only guy that they have or whatever. But part of the strategy was keep the ball in front of the defense and make him nickel and dime it. 
And so when you're doing that, you're saying, I'll live with the paper cuts. And, and they were willing to live with that. Now, what I would say is normally if you employ that kind of bend but don't break strategy, what you normally do is when the ball reaches the red zone inside the 20, then you have some tricks to deal with Travis Kelsey. But at the end of the day, like what they wanted to do was to limit the explosive plays. They didn't have many leak outs, many big plays. Um, Patrick Mahomes had under 200 yards on the day. And so mm-hmm. what you do is you live with that. You can't stop everything. And so you, you stop the big plays. You kept them in check. You had an opportunity to win because the game was a one-score game at a certain point in the fourth quarter. And so that's what you want. And so you'll live with the criticism that, hey, man, you got to shut down Travis Kelsey. But overall, they did exactly what they wanted. They had a, let's see, they, the longest reception was 27 yards by Noah Gray. Like, think about that. Explosive plays are 20-plus yard plays. They had one explosive play, and that's Noah Gray. Travis Kelsey's longest play, 15 yards. Mm. I mean, I think in general, what you do is you take that. I agree with you there. You know, you know, we talk about, and I've learned from you throughout the season, you know, about players' personnel and coaching schemes and how a player could adapt on one team maybe more so than if he was on another team. My question to you would be, would Travis Kelsey be this effective, would be this great of a player if he was on another team? I won't take anything away from him. I mean, he's a really good player. He's unique in terms of his run-after-catch ability, his route-run ability, the way that he makes plays. But every great player benefits from having a great coach that can set them up and put them in an environment where they can be successful. There's no doubt that Andy Reid does a great job of creating easy opportunities for Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey is talented. And so as, as much as he deserves to have a gold jacket, which he'll get five years after he retires, uh, Andy Reid also deserves a gold jacket. And there's not a great coach without great players. And so I'll say it's a mutually beneficial situation with Travis Kelsey playing under a great coach at Andy Reid. Okay, and you talk about Andy Reid all you want. I love Andy Reid. I think he is a tremendous coach. However, there's a guy in the shadows of Andy Reid. His name is Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, I knew well when he played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He played for the University of Colorado and was third in the Heisman voting. Okay, and I, I followed his career. He's been the Chiefs' offensive coordinator for the the last five years, the greatest five-year stretch in the franchise history of the Kansas City Chiefs. He signed a one-year deal again this past year with the Chiefs in the offseason, and a lot of people think that he will be coaching somewhere else next year. Why can't this guy get a head coaching job? I've heard stories that he doesn't sell people on the interview. I, I don't really care. The, the point is that he's got a track record of success, albeit the fact that he plays and works with – Andy Reid, but I think he could get it done on his own. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uncommon for someone to be in the position that Eric Bieniemy is to not have a, had an opportunity to be a head coach. When we look at all the guys that worked up under Sean McVay, uh, they all got opportunities. Uh, Mike LaFleur, Kevin O'Connell, uh, Zach Taylor, guys who were under him, even though Sean McVay was known as the play caller, they got those chances. You look at the guys that have worked on the Kyle Shanahan. They've also had opportunities to go on and to lead their teams because typically uh, most head coaches come from the office side of the ball on the teams that are the most successful. For whatever reason, for Eric Bieniemy, it hasn't been the same. People um, have not necessarily given him the same love and appreciation that others have gotten in terms of when the office is successful and the quarterback plays at the level that he plays at. 
normally the guy that coaches him, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach, they get it. Eric enemy doesn't get it. I don't know why, but it's just one of those things. And so I don't know if he'll ever get an opportunity. It kind of reminds me of Sherm Lewis. Um, yeah. Back in the day when I was in Green Bay, Mike Holmgren had all these great coaches that worked with him. Uh, Steve Mariucci, John Gruden, Andy Reid, and on and on. Sherman Lewis was the offense coordinator the entire time. Never got a sniff at a head coaching job. And so, unfortunately, those things happen. And it's disappointing, but I don't know what Eric Bieniemy can do to change the matter. If he goes somewhere else, uh, I mean, he can maybe prove it. But why leave a team that's going to eight to five straight AFC championship games? Yeah, and the two men who previously served as the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, uh, they both went on to be head coaches. So, you know, the track record is there. But you hate to use the color situation, the fact that Eric Miami is, is African-American and, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, ownership does not want that. I don't know, but I would love to have seen Andy Reid at least take a stand and say, What's wrong with my guy? Well, maybe he doesn't want to see him leave. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Andy Reid's torn like, between, you know, uh, having uh, his guy being successful, being a head guy, or he wants to keep him. I, I don't know. I think Andy Reid has advocated for Eric Bieniemy more than any other head coach has advocated for their player, for, for their assistance. I, he just, unfortunately, cannot make ownership higher. And I think some of the frustration that black coaches have in the league is they feel like the goalposts are always moving meaning that the standard is a little higher for them when it comes to performance and the patience is a lot uh, lower when it comes to underachievement. Uh, case in point, Byron Leftwich, who three years ago was the office coordinator for a Super Bowl winning office. That's amazing. It's, yeah, that, that amazes yeah, I me. Mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. And I think everyone uh, goes into the situation knowing this is what it is, and you have to be able to perform, and you have to perform consistently at a high level to have an opportunity. Uh, like it or not, that's what it is. And Eric enemy certainly understands that. It doesn't mean he's happy about it, but he, he has to understand that, and that's just kind of par for the course. Yeah, it amazes me. The Vikings had a surprising season. No one expected the Vikings to do what they did this year. They get blown out by the Giants a week ago. What do they do? They fired the defensive coordinator. There's got to be a scapegoat. I think in sports, there's always a scapegoat. And the Byron Leftwich thing really, really surprised me because, again, what, three years ago, he took the team to the Super Bowl. He was praised. Everybody was saying what a great job he did. And now... They don't do anything, and and he's gone. I'm, I'm amazed. Well, but that's, I think, I think yeah. yeah, I think what's what's amazing is Brian Leftwich takes over the bar, and the offense wasn't wasn't great. It was terrible. Like it, right. I mean, it was but bad. there were injuries too. The yeah, they, they they couldn't run the ball. There were injuries, and your quarterback. No one likes to talk about this. Your quarterback was dealing with off the field issues that prevented him from being around. You know, he was going through a very, I'm sure, a very difficult breakup with his wife. He misses time in training camp. Um, mm -hmm. Who knows how focused he was able to be during the course of the regular season. And yet, Brian Leftwich is tasked with coaching a guy who might be dealing with the distractions of all of that. And so it's, it's one of those things where you don't like it, but then I'm looking at Ty Bowles as he dismissed what, eight coaches, uh, a lot of the coaches that were holdovers. He's the guy who should be canned. He couldn't get the job done in New York when he was a coach of the Jets. Bowles should be fired, not Leftwich. I don't know if he should be fired, but I certainly believe that he is on the hot seat yeah, um, well. because he's responsible for the performance. The team underachieved uh, injuries or whatever. Like In this league, like, look, Andy, I learned, nobody cares. Whatever your situation is, whatever you're dealing with, that's great. 
No one cares. The bottom line is winning. And so they didn't win enough. And so consequences happen. I'm just surprised when you had Brian Lefwich, Eric Bieniemy, guys who have success in the short term, but they don't get the benefit in the long term. I'm with you on that. There you go. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. And this is Fox Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. And now it's story time with one of the best. Bucky Remembers is next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bucky remembers right around the corner. That's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. This is Fox Football Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Let's do it. Bucky remembers time. It's time for one of our own to remember the good old days. Hey, stop. This is why we're doing the f- drill. From the locker room to the gridiron, this man has seen it all. Wow. You want to crown him? Your favorite NFL veteran, Bucky Brooks. You crown him. Gives us the good, the bad, and the ugly from his playing days in the NFL. And now, Bucky remembers. Yes, it is. And it's live from the TireRack.com studios. All right, Buck. Today, the Bengals are in Buffalo and there were reports of snow. Tell us the worst weather conditions you played in and what happened. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, Andy, I don't know if I played in like terrible conditions. Uh, I would say the, the, the worst game that I've ever played in uh, in Kansas City was just like a, a, a steady downpour of rain against the Seattle Seahawks on a Monday night. Uh, it was awful because it was so sticky and just mucky that I ended up having a high ankle sprain. But that's it. I don't have a, a, a snowstorm story for you, unfortunately. You know, if in fact you're going to a, a snow region and you have a game plan, does the game plan change? Do coaches have a backup for weather? Um. It, it, it depends, you know, like if you're a team that's familiar with dealing with, with weather, um, you continue to do what you, you normally do because you kind of know what it is. You don't change. You just keep rolling with what has been the main thing. But if you're a team that hasn't dealt with it, yeah, it requires some change. It may require you to practice with a wet ball during uh, practice. It may require you to do some different ball drills. It may change the way that you call the game in terms of is it is it just wet is it snowy or is the wind a factor? Well, now we can't throw the ball. Now we have to rely on it. So it's it's more than just the precipitation that's a that's an issue. The wind probably matters more than any of that stuff. 
Right, and it's kind of rough because a lot of those teams play in an indoor or practice in an indoor facility, and they're going out in the in the weather uh, in the nature's weather beast uh, for the very first time. So it, it could be a strange phenomenon for some of those teams. Now, uh, of the six remaining teams, if you were a general manager starting a team, who is your quarterback and why? I got the Bills, Bengals, 49ers, Cowboys, Kansas City, and the Eagles. You got to tell me your first pick and what quarterback it's going to be and why. Um, and the first pick is going to be the guy that we saw last night. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, and he can get it done in a variety of different ways. And this year, without Tyreek Hill, he has shown us uh, how much he's grown. Uh, and, and I think his growth as a player uh, will probably enable him to be one of the guys that dominates the league for the next five to seven years. Uh, he can do anything that you want to see in a position. He can throw it out the stadium. He can make uh, throws with touch, time, and precision. He can throw on schedule, off schedule, uh, sidearm, underhand, <laughs> no look, all of it. He has everything, and he also has the leadership ability. So Pat Mahomes is my choice. Okay, and let me continue on that, Patrick Mahomes, for a second, if I may. Uh, you've scouted for the NFL. You're involved. You play the game. Here's a guy who played at Texas Tech, and they had a losing record when he was a senior. How surprised were you, and what was the talk among scouts You know, when he was coming out of college? Did they ever think that he would be the kind of player he was now? Uh, anyone who tells you that they knew that Pat Mahomes was going to be what he is, is lying. And talking to scouts when he came out, everyone acknowledged the talent. Everyone to a T said, man, it's one of the most talented quarterback prospects that I've ever seen. The problem was we had never seen a sand, a sandlot quarterback, a guy with his playing style, have success in the National Football League. And so there was some hesitation and reservation in terms of how are you going to get this kind of player to play winning football in the National Football League. Because at Texas Tech, let's be honest, he didn't win. And so it was just a tough evaluation. There we go. Which team really needs it most? Bucky Brooks has the answers for you right here next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Who wants it? Who needs it? Well, that's coming right up. Yes, this is Fox Football Sunday. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman, and we're broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Buck, here we go. A little bit of a recap. Yesterday, Kansas City over Jacksonville 27-20. They advanced for the fifth straight time in the AFC Finals. The Eagles over the Giants. They pounded them. 38-7. I don't think there are any surprises there. I don't think anybody was surprised with those outcomes. Do you? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you were hoping maybe for some of these teams to upset them, but they're the number one seeds. And as much as we say we love upsets, teams are number one seeds for a reason. They typically are the best teams. They've shown that to be the best throughout the regular season, and both of the teams were worthy of advancing because the way they play. No doubt about that. So today we got the Bengals at the Bills, the Cowboys at the 49ers. We'll delve into those games momentarily. But right now, uh, I talk about Bucky Brooks, and I really enjoy this very much. Every Friday he posts this. He's a writer for NFL.com. Go to NFL.com, look at the news stories. He's a writer there, and he says the goal of every NFL player, coach, and executive is simple. It's obvious. Win the Super Bowl, okay? And he says that uh, every organization would cherish a Super Bowl 57 triumph, but who needs it the most? 
And right now you had some picks as to who needs to win Super Bowl 57 the most. So I want to go with you as to what you picked, and you tell me why. And we'll start off with the Buffalo Bills. Who on this Buffalo Bills team really and truly needs to win this Super Bowl the very most? And as we know, back in August, everybody had Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. I mean, everyone did have Buffalo winning. I think, obviously, Josh Allen needs to win it. He needs to win it at a high level to be recognized amongst his peers as one of the top quarterbacks. When you think about what he has been able to accomplish, he's closed the gap. He's closed the gap significantly on the top quarterbacks in the league, particularly Patrick Mahomes. But he cannot take the crown of being QB1 until he has one of those on his resume, a Super Bowl win. And so Josh Allen needs to win it, not only to – you know, uplift the city of Buffalo, who hasn't won one uh, ever. But to put himself in that different category over Pat Mahomes, he needs to be able to win it. You know, I hear what you're saying, and obviously we're in a society right now that if you don't get the ring, you're nothing. That's basically what it's all about. you got to get the ring. You know, I don't care what, what sport you're playing. It's all about rings. But I'm going to ask you right now, and it's kind of a – it's a tough question. I don't really think there's a, a right answer, but if you can give me the Bucky Brooks top five quarterbacks in the NFL as we are right now, and Mahomes is one, would Josh Allen be two? And where's Tom Brady stack up? He's still playing on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, those, I don't think those guys are in, in the top five. I don't think you can like. I don't think you can put Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the top five. If you are not doing a lifetime achievement award, those guys are not uh, two of the top five quarterbacks in the league. My okay. top five would consist of, uh, I would have Pat Mahomes at one. I would put Joe Burrow right behind Pat Mahomes. I would have Josh Allen. Uh, Justin Herbert is in that conversation. Give me another quarterback that I'm missing. Hurts, Jalen Hurts maybe? Um, I don't think Jalen is top five yet. Uh, I don't think Jalen is top five yet, but I think you could put him on the cusp of being there. Dak uh, Prescott but, maybe? No, no Dak's not in there. Um, well, maybe Jalen maybe does get in that conversation based on the way that he's played this year. If we're talking about a right here, right now. Moment, well, right here, right now, you may want to put Geno yeah, Smith I'm, in I think, there. I'm, I can't put Geno in there. I think <laughs> Geno's fine, but I can't put Geno in there. But I think, those, I think those top four guys are locked. I think five is a conversation. Because then it comes to stylistically. Jalen Hurts certainly deserves to be in that conversation because he played at an MVP level. And let's not sneeze at what he was able to do prior to the injury. Prior to hurting his shoulder, I mean, I think he should have been the MVP. And so, yeah, let's put Jalen Hurts right at number five. We'll slide him in right Okay, here. and what about you know, a guy like a, a Trevor Lawrence knocking on the door, his face is pressed against the window there maybe? He's on his way? Uh, I mean, his graph is going way. up. I think he, He's on his way. I think he can uh, be on the, the, the cusp of being a top 10 quarterback. I think top five, when you talk about top five, you're talking about the elites of the elite, meaning that you can give the ball to these guys, and regardless of situation and circumstance, they're going to give your team a chance to win. I think all of the aforementioned guys have an opportunity to do that. Like, there's no dispute in what Pat Mahomes has been able to do. He threw for more yards and had more success without Tyreek Hill. Uh, you think about Joe Burrow and what he did and what he means to the city of Cincinnati and the Bengals franchise. It's no question. Josh Allen, what he's done with the Buffalo Bills is there. Justin Herbert, some would say that the coaching has helped, has held Justin Herbert back. And so the last person is Jalen Hurts. And you look at what Jalen Hurts is doing as a thrower and as a runner. Man, there's no doubt that the Philadelphia Eagles have benefited from putting him in at quarterback 
and watching his game grow as the team grows around him. So, yeah, I'll put him in at the top five. You know, you made a, an interesting point there because you say that what Josh Allen has done and what all these quarterbacks have done and what Patrick Mahomes has done without Tyreek, okay? And Tyreek is gone. And, and everybody thought, like, wow, what's going to happen now? And you, then you throw Joe Burrow's name in there. And Joe Burrow has the advantage of having maybe the three best receivers in one shot on the team and Chase Boyd and Higgins. I mean, and, and look, basically, I think that Patrick Mahomes made his receivers where – Joe Burrow has the receivers. Am I out of out of line in saying something like that? No, you're not out of line, but here's what I would direct you to. Look at the offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes and look at the offensive line that's playing in front of Joe Burrow. And yeah. so while Joe Burrow has the shiny pieces on the outside, there's no doubt that he is he's playing with a patchwork offensive line in front of him. And then when you think about what Pat Mahomes has, he has arguably the best offensive line in football outside of Philadelphia in front of him. And then he has maybe more pedestrian pieces on the outside. But either way, both of them are not necessarily playing with stacked decks. They're having to overcome some of the things that are around them. And so because of that, and because they've overcome it at such a high level, where their two teams are, I mean, you could say two of the best teams, maybe the two best teams in the league. Yeah, like it's because of the quarterback play that the team is there. And I think you have to give them credit. And that's what elite quarterbacks can do. All right, Bucky Brooks with NFL.com, who wants it, who needs it, Buffalo Bills. He said that Josh Allen's the guy who needs it. Let's move along now to the Cincinnati Bengals. Who needs it mostly on the Cincinnati Bengals? I would have to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say Joe Burrow because I don't think he needs it as much because he's somewhat new. Who did you say needs it most on the Cincinnati Bengals? I'd say Mike Brown. I mean, he's been around from, you know, some prehistoric ages. He needs it. I'd like to see him get it before his days are done. Yeah, I think the entire franchise needs it. When you think about this team, the Cincinnati Bengals, man, they have been so close, but they've never been able to cap it off. Three appearances in the Super Bowl, all of them. Just close losses. I mean, narrow losses. Two times to the 49ers. And then you think about the loss that they had a year ago to the L.A. Rams. This team has been on the doorstep. And right. if they were able to win, it really would kind of validate the franchise. Because this is a franchise that's been the butt of jokes for years. People talk about how frugal Mike Brown and the Brown family have been in terms of like the way that they would treat the players and not having an indoor facility and all of these things. But if they win then you have to recognize them as the best franchise in football, at least for a year. And so they they deserve it. They need it. Mike Brown needs it because it would serve as a measure of validation for him in the owner's circle. I'd love to see that. I really would. I love Mike Brown. He's been good to me, and I like him. I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened. You know, when they, they lost to, to the 49ers twice, and they could have had it. And they should have won it last year. And, and, I, and I went off on, on a tangent here, and you'd appreciate this, Buck. You really would. There's a street an exit in Cincinnati off I-275. I'll never forget. Exit 19. You know what the exit is? Montana Avenue. Montana <laughs> Avenue. I did a an op-ed piece for the Cincinnati Inquirer, and I ranted and raved on the radio for eons. I said, how in the hell can the city of Cincinnati have a Montana Avenue? There's not, why honor that guy? He destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals, and it was to no avail. The exit is still there. The sign is still there. If you ever come to Cincinnati, go on I-275, exit 19, Montana Avenue, and I get sick to my stomach every time I see it. I love Joe Montana, a hell of a player, but why honor him in Cincinnati? I don't get it. Yeah, that's, that's funny. 
I, I don't know why he's out of there. I don't know what the link would be. Unless there's a, a relative. He may have a relative in Cincinnati who did something. I, I, I don't know. I didn't look on the research or the history of that. But Montana Avenue glaring me in the face when I drive by there. It's amazing. All right. Let's move along now. Dallas is playing San Francisco today. Who needs it most on Dallas to win Super Bowl 57? Well, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, has, Dak Prescott has to have it. Like, Every week he has to prove himself to a legion of doubters that question whether he's either a game manager or a playmaker. Uh, I'm saying this year he's doing it with a lesser supporting cast around him. They got rid of Amari Cooper. He's now playing with Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb and T.Y. Hilton, who signed off the street a few weeks ago. Ezekiel uh, mm-hmm. Elliott is no longer what he is. If he's mm-hmm. able to end the 27-year title drought, he deserves to um, kind of tell all his critics, shh, I've done it. I've ended the drought. I put us back on top. And more importantly, I've shown that I'm more than worthy of being in the $40 million club. You know, if they do win it, and I understand where you're coming from with Dak Prescott, but the worst thing is going to be Jerry Jones sticking his chest out and telling everybody, I told you so. I told you mm-hmm. that Dak was the – you know what I mean? I, I just – ooh. I, and I, I don't think Dallas is going to – I don't think they're going to beat San Francisco today. We'll get into that later on down the road. Here's a toughie for you. The, the person, the thing, who needs to win most on the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it really, that, that's a tough one because they've been there, done that. So who's the guy or teammate, whatever it may be, or group that has to win it most? Who needs it more on Kansas City? Hmm. It's such a tough one, man. It's a tough because, one because they've done it. They've, they've been there. Yeah, they've been there. They've done it. They've done it a bunch of different ways. And you could say Pat Mahomes needs it because, man, that puts him in rare air. But how about the coach, Andy Reid? Andy Reid, if he wins another one, now he, he he already is a Hall of Fame no doubt. Uh, coach. Right? He's already there. He has over 200 wins. He has all that other stuff. But if you think about a second Super Bowl to go with that, man, that's when you have an opportunity to really say that, He's one of the best coaches to ever have done it. And so I think this is the one uh, that would do it. So if he wins it, I think it just caps off a great career. If he wins his second Super Bowl, I think they built a statue in Kansas City for him. I think that will be the deal. Oh, I mean, I think a statue is already built for him. I think he he will have a, a big old uh, around rotund statue right outside of that stadium. But, yeah, he, he's one of the best in the biz, and I think you want to give it to him. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's, it's funny. And really and truly, the more he wins, the more the people in Philadelphia are saying, why do we get rid of him? Although Nick Sariani right now has kind of quieted those people to some extent. We'll see what happens, see how far Philadelphia could go. And speaking of that, who needs it most on Philadelphia right now? Nick Sariani. And I don't know if you remember, like, all the stuff that he got for his introductory press conference, people talking about him not being ready. Uh, right, yeah, you're right. If yeah. he if he is able to take this team to a Super Bowl and win it, uh, you now have to respect his coaching chops. You already have to begin to re- respect and appreciate him as one of the best young coaches in the game. You look at the way that he shifted in the middle of his first season to help this offense get going under Jalen Hurts. And then if you continue to think about what he's been able to do this year, number one seed, top team in football, if they go wire to wire and win it, yeah, he's recognized as a as a as an elite coach, and all that other stuff that people talked about doesn't really matter. It's not the press conferences; what you actually do when you have an opportunity to stand on the sideline. Well, I think the 49ers right now they're the remaining team who needs it most. I think this is an easy one because if they win, it'll be Brock Purdy. 
I mean, really and truly, he's the guy right now. And obviously the 49ers have basically said he's their guy next year. He's their quarterback. Yeah, he is their quarterback. You know, the guy was Mr. Relevant, last guy taken in the draft. For him to jump in to this situation at the end of the year, have seven straight games where he's had at least two-plus touchdowns to to finish it off with the Super Bowl win. I mean, there's no quarterback competition coming in there. Despite Trey Lance or whatever happens with Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy goes in as the guy. And you have to respect him because as much as uh, we may want to label him a game manager and he has everything around him, the offense looks different when he is at quarterback. He directs it the way that Kyle Shanahan wants it. It's explosive. It's dynamic. It's fun. Uh, he gets a lot of credit for that. Okay. We talk about personnel, matchups, coaches, everything. But I want to talk about an intangible, if I may. Talk about these playoffs. How tough is it for some athletes playing on a big stage? Now, you've seen, as a high school coach, you've seen some high school stars go from the high school level and then from high school, they go on national TV and college and maybe play in the big house over 100,000 people watching you, and they crumble. They can't play in that kind of a pressure situation. Have you seen that on the pro level? Oh, yeah. I mean, pressure changes everybody. Like, some, some people love and are charged up by the stress that comes with playing in a big game. Other guys, it makes them nervous. The anxiety overwhelms them. They're not able to perform. Uh, the best players normally in those moments – are the ones that are very calm, more even keeled. Uh, they're able to keep their emotions in check and just kind of focus on what the task at hand is. And so one of the things I love about watching the playoffs in any sport, I just tune in to watch the playoffs, hockey, baseball, basketball, whatever, because it's all the same. How do you handle the moment? Do you have the ability to look kind of fear right in the face and blow past it? And that's what you have to do in the playoffs to perform at a high level. Uh, divisional round, championship round, the Super Bowl, you have to be able to understand the consequences of the situation but not be affected by it. And not everyone has that in them, which would make it very, very, very special when teams are able to win it. And I watched the games yesterday, and I would say that maybe a guy like Daniel Jones couldn't handle it. Would you agree? Or maybe it was just too much Philadelphia on him? No, I think they were just a better team. I mean, I think when you're looking at your team and you're looking at games, you have to acknowledge when a team is better. Philadelphia was a better team. And when you have a better team and you lose to a better team, you have to be able to say, hey, man, they were better than us. I have to get better. I can perform better uh, with what I'm given. But that team was better. And I think when we go back and we look at the tape in a few days, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were clearly superior to the New York Giants uh, across the board on those rosters. All right. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We got bottom barrel betting in this hour, and we'll do that. We got Mike Harmon, the Swollen Dome, in hour number three. And you can get us on Twitter at Bucky Brooks, at the Swollen Dome, at Andy Furman FSR, or 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. How can he hold up? That's next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 60% is new, and that's not good. We'll explain that in just about a minute. He's Bucky Brooks. He's good. I'm Andy Furman. This is Fox Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, about 23 past the hour right now. But it's time for the progressive play of the day. Mahomes now steps up in the pocket, throws late, wide open, back in the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a six-yard touchdown. That was Mitch Holthus on 106.5 The Wolf and the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Of course, that was the progressive play of the day. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right. Right now, we mentioned 60% new. We're talking about that Bengals offensive line. They're at Buffalo today. Bengals playing the Bills. Three new offensive line people. Left tackle Jonah Williams. Williams, dislocated kneecap, he's out. Right guard, Alex Kappa, ankle injury, he's out. Starting right tackle, L. Collins, Torres, ACL, Christmas Eve against the Patriots, he's gone. And last week, Joe Burrow, Bengal quarterback, was sacked four times against the Ravens. How important, Bucky, is this unity on the offensive line? New guys coming in, how is that going to affect Joe Burrow, if at all? I mean, it's always a significant uh, deal whenever you have change up front. Uh, the thing about Joe Burrow is he has such a way with uh, controlling everything at the line of scrimmage, handling the stuff that is in front of him when it comes to whether it's, it's pressure, whether it's leaky p- pocket, those things, it doesn't rattle him. And so it'll affect him some because obviously you want to have the best that you can have in front of him. But we've seen Joe Burrow do it with lesser parts in front of him. And I think he'll continue to have success. No, I think another factor, you know, forget about the Joe Burrow situation, who was sacked 70 times last year, 19 times during the playoffs. It's going to affect the run game. It's going to affect Joe Mixon because the holes may not be there, and he's not accustomed to these new guys on the line. Uh, he's, he's not accustomed to the new guys on the line, but um, the thing that I always uh, tend to lean on is in these situations, we've seen Joe Burrow and, and those guys be able to handle it. And so it's not ideal, but everyone's kind of banged up. And to be a championship team, you have to be able to kind of move through some of this stuff. And so I think he'll be fine. I think this team will be fine. And I don't know if the Buffalo Bills have enough up front to really challenge them. If you told me, you know, Von Miller was available and some of those things, uh, I think the Buffalo Bills have a good front, but it's different when Von Miller's not there. Now, I think the Cincinnati Bengals have too many offensive weapons, you know, to to keep uh, Buffalo at bay. I, I like... 
I'd like Cincinnati to win this ball game, not being a homer, of course, because I'm in the region. But I, I think they're just a better team overall. They're on a roll right now. They have a mission to prove. A lot of people said they were going to get that Super Bowl hangover. This motivation factor, does it really work or is it just something for the media to talk about? No, I mean, I think, I think, it, I think it works. I will say this. They surprised us in terms of the way that they've been able to uh, shake off an 0-2 start at the beginning of the year to then eventually win nine straight games and to reemerge as, I, I believe this is the best team in the AFC. Uh, this team is solid. This team is loaded. Uh, they play great defense. I believe their defense coordinator is a star that doesn't get enough credit for what he does, Lou and Arumo. Um, this is a really good team. And so I think I think they're going to play well. I think the pressure is really on the Buffalo Bills more so than the Cincinnati Bengals. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, you talk about pressure. I mean, this is a team that everybody thought they'd win. And, and the Bengals right now, I'm not going to say they're playing with house money, but I don't think anybody thought that they'd be back this deep in the playoffs. And I think a lot of people thought last year was a fluke. They really did. Yeah, and that's, and that's one of the things that I think motivates the Cincinnati Bengals. People don't believe they're right. But what I would tell you is, in drafting their team and building their team, they've, surround, they, they've taken a collection of winners and put them all together. Uh, Joe Burrow won a national title. You think about Jamar Chase being on that team. You think about Joe Mixon won uh, at a high level at Oklahoma and on and on and on. Big school players that played in big-time environments that won at a high level, they understand what winning is. And so this is a different Cincinnati Bengals franchise than the ones that we've seen in the past. This team knows how to win. This team expects to win whenever they step onto the field. You know, Joe Burrow, you talk about the offensive line problems and it may be very shaky and Buffalo's going to try to get to him, of course. But I think the advantage there is that he's been getting the ball out so quick right now. Uh, it's hitting those receivers. He's got those three top receivers out there. I, I think that's an advantage for Joe Burrow. He, they say he's getting rid of the ball maybe faster than any quarterback in the National Football League. I don't know if he worked on that or that's because of his offensive line problems. Is partially due to the offensive line problems. Um, what you want to do is if you don't have guys up front and you want to run a bunch of different things that allow you to mask it by, uh, it's, it's catch, throw, catch, throw from the quarterback. He, catch, he takes the snap and the ball is out of his hands immediately. And so from the Cincinnati Bengals, you see a lot of quick passes, a lot of bubble screens, those things designed to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly before the rush can get become a factor. Okay, I, I'm picking the Bengals. I, I think that you're going in that direction as well, but can you give me like one player that you think would make the difference in today's game? One player that can make Because last difference. week it was Sam Harbour, what he did last week, I, I, I don't think we'll ever see something like that again when he just picked up that ball and around like 90 plus yards for a touchdown. That was an amazing uh, thing what he did, but... Uh, you know, I, would say, I, would say, I would say Logan Wilson is the guy to continue to keep an eye on. He was in the mix. He knocked the ball out um, uh-huh. last week, and I think he continues to play a major role. Where he's positioned, the Mike linebacker, he's going to have to be a dual player, meaning he's going to have to be able to control the running game, and that running game may be a Josh Allen-led run game, while also getting down the middle of the field and discouraging Josh Allen from throwing it down the field in between the hashes. Logan Wilson has to have the big game. Watch him. He's the guy that I have my own. All right, we'll do that. And you like the Bengals to win this one. I do like the Bengals to win this one. Okay, I'll give you the score. 27-24. I think it'll be close, but I think the Bengals win it. Yeah, I mean, there's not a bad score. I, I can go with that. 
That, uh, I think it's within three. So whether you say 27-24, 31-27, somewhere in there, it's less than a touchdown. There you go. All right. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. This Fox Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. By the way, facing the best defense in the league is a tall order for this team. That's coming up next from the TireRack.com studios. But first, let's hear from Nick Cope with the latest. All right. Thank you, Andy. The winner of that Bengals-Bills game will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat the Jaguars on Saturday 27-20 as Patrick Mahomes had to play through an ankle injury, left the game in the first half. Chad Henney took over and led the longest drive in Chiefs playoff history, 98 yards. Mahomes got x-rays at halftime. They came back negative, so Mahomes would finish the game from there. 195 yards, couple of touchdowns. Travis Kelsey caught a career-high 14 passes for 98 yards and two scores. Mahomes is set to have an MRI on that right ankle coming up later on today. And then in the nightcap, the Eagles just throttled the Giants 38-7. It was 28-0 at halftime. Jalen Hurts accounting for three total touchdowns. The Philly defense held the Giants to just 227 total yards. In the NBA, the Celtics made it nine in a row despite not having Jason Tatum at their disposal. They beat the Raptors on the road 106-104. Sixers won their fifth in a row 129 to 127 over the Kings. Philly did not have Joel Embiid or James Harden. College basketball, four ranked teams lost on Saturday. Number 11 Arizona ended number 5 UCLA's 14 game win streak, 58 52 the final there in Tucson. Number 14 TCU handed number 2 Kansas their second worst home loss under coach Bill Self, 83 60 the final in Lawrence. Oklahoma State over number 12 Iowa State. 61 to 59 and Duke beat number 17 Miami 68 to 66. At the Australian Open, women's top seed Iga Swiatek falls in the round of 16. Young American Coco Goff also out. The top seeded American woman, third seeded Jess Pagula is into the quarterfinals. She is yet to drop a set in the tournament. Let's go back now to Andy Furman and Bucky Brooks. Thank you, Nick. Okay, we'll do this. He's not Mr. Irrelevant anymore. That's right around the corner. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. And, of course, we have bottom barrel betting in about eight minutes from now. But we have also the Cowboys and 49ers. But first, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Now... Uh, 49ers, Cowboys, 40, and that's your team. I mean, that, that's your baby. You got the 49ers. You picked them way back when, and you said they're going to go all the way, so I'm with you. I'm on the Bucky Brooks bandwagon. 49ers, one of the best offensive lines in football. Trent Williams at the left tackle. 49ers, fifth in total offense behind Brock Purdy. How is that possible? How is it possible this guy, Brock Purdy, comes in there out of the blue like a Superman cape, and he's leading this team? The guy was like the last player picked in the draft, and he's going to be their starting quarterback next year, and now they're fifth in total offense. How does that happen? It happens because your your coach, Kyle Shanahan, runs a quarterback-friendly scheme that elevates the play of the quarterback. And he only needs um, Brock Purdy to be – a managerial type. He doesn't need to be a playmaker. He just needs him to really understand where should I go with the ball. He's going to make it very, very easy for him. And as long as Brock Purdy stays within the confines of the scheme and doesn't try to do too much, it works. I mean, they have the best supporting cast that you could have around a young quarterback. And his job is just to basically be a pass-first point guard in basketball. Just get it to the open man. 
when he does that, the offense flows and it has flowed in in a very impressive fashion the last 10, 11 weeks, but the last seven weeks since he's been in there. 49ers front seven on defense, the best in the NFL. Nick Bowser right there, Fred Warner. The question is, can the Cowboys generate any offense against this team, the 49ers? And the game, to me, is going to be one in the trenches, and basically the 49ers have the trenches on both sides. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough game for the Cowboys. It's a tough matchup. It's a tough matchup on both sides. Offensively, can they block the Niners' front line? Uh, They may have to go up-tempo to be able to prevent uh, the Niners from rolling in the number of uh, D linemen that they like to play. And then uh, from a defensive standpoint, they're going to stop the run. This is going to be a test of their physicality and their conditioning, mental and physical, in terms of can they uh, exhibit enough stamina mentally to stay locked in, to stay focused, and then can they handle the assault of body blows that the Niners throw at you because they're going to they're gonna pummel them inside. And can they stand up to the physicality and toughness that the Niners are going to bring with them? they got to slow down that pass rush. I don't know if they can do that. they got to contain them, uh, that top seven that they have over there. I don't know if they could do it. Uh, the Cowboys do have some matchup advantages on the outside, but, you know, they got the C.D. Lambs of the world. But I don't know if they could have enough time to get the ball to them. That's the problem. Yeah, I, th- this is a tough matchup for me. I mean, there's always a path to victory. Uh, the Cowboys are going to have to play their best game of the year. Dak Prescott is going to need to play better than he played last last week. And that's saying a lot because I thought last week against the Bucks was one of the best games of his career. Well, they picked apart that Tampa Bay defense last week, but if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, don't get high on your horse right now because this is a different animal today. The San Francisco 49ers are a lot different than the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they did last week. So I, I think it's going to be a rough hole. I, I don't think that the Cowboys can overcome the San Francisco 49ers on both sides of the football. And what they need to do, if they can, is A, slow that 49er pass rush, contain their front seven, and can, and can they force Brock Purdy into some turnovers? That's the thing. I mean, the key for Purdy right now is that he's just been a, a guy that could get the job done without any any flash, but don't, don't turn the ball over. If they can get to turn the ball over, they may have a shot at this ball game. Yeah, absolutely. They may have a shot at it. And the, the, the big thing about this team, the Niners, the Niners have not had to chase points, meaning they've been able to play in a very comfortable style for a long time. And that's great, you know, but it's just one of those things that you have to know that when you're Kyle Shanahan, you want to call the game and make sure that your team is always kind of around and and in it because when it becomes a different game, that's when we have to see uh, Brock Purdy do some things against probably more complex defenses, defenses that don't have to honor the run, and they have an opportunity to just look at him and play him. Well, I would have to say this. As strong as San Francisco is on both interior lines, offensive and defense, if they do have a weakness, I would have to say it's their corners. So if if Dallas could get the ball out to their receivers, uh, Michael Gallup, their tight end, Schultz, to C.D. Lamb, that's the thing. Because I think if there's an Achilles heel at all on the San Francisco 49ers, it's their corners. I would agree with you, but um, it's, it's the thing where the pass rush can negate the issues that the corners have. If Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead are having their way at the line of scrimmage, it's going to be hard for Dak Prescott to hang in there for those guys to create separation. And so as much as we want to make it a one-on-one battle on the perimeter, the battle to watch is the one in the trenches. Which team is controlling the line of scrimmage against the run, but also against the pass, the team that has consistent 
uh, disruptive plays at the point of attack or in the backfield and pass protection. Those are the ones that went. Well, we talk about people going on a big stage, and I think Brock Purdy had his initiation. He passed for 332 yards, three touchdowns in his first playoff start. That was against Seattle, and they had the offensive crew over there, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. They combined for almost 340 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns against Seattle. So I, I think the nerves are gone now from Brock Purdy. He can handle it. He's a cool customer. Yeah, I think the nerves are gone. I think he certainly can handle it. But we'll see in late-game situations, can he continue to just stay? Um, it's almost like a kid that is given a coloring book. Can he continue <laughs> to color between the lines, or does he go outside? Does he have enough discipline and restraint to say, hey, here's what works for me. I don't need to show and prove. I don't need to show everyone I got the biggest arm or those things. I'm right. just going to play my game. And as you get farther down the line in the postseason, the noise gets bigger, more stuff, more eyeballs on it, more attention. Uh, it, it'd be a test of his ability to focus. Well, and the good news is, at least for Brock Purdy and the 49ers, the game is a home game for them. That, that's a big advantage. It really is. I think it will come down to the playoff games. It's a big advantage right there, so we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm assuming you like the 49ers. I do. I, I think it'll be closer than, than, I, than many people think because if it's a playoff situation. But it'll be something in the neighborhood, maybe 31-21, something like that, 49ers. Yeah, I'm leaning towards that. I think the Niners are the better overall team from top to bottom. There's a way for the Cowboys to win it, but it's a narrow path. They have to be able to run the football, and that's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. Against right. the uh, against the 49ers defense. There we go. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. This is Fox Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. And the game that always has playoff implications, we call it bottom barrel betting. And you know what? It's freaking next. Bottom barrel betting coming right up. It's Bucky Brooks. It's Andy Furman. It's Fox Fo- Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. About 12 minutes now before the top of the hour. We got a game to play. So let's play. You got that thing for me? It's bottom. Oh, no. I thought you was late. You put my money to sleep. You go get my money or I'll put your brain to sleep. Yes, it is. And we're live from the Tyrac.com studios. And our host, our very congenial host, is the one and only BT. Hello, BT. What's up, Andy and Bucky? How you two doing this morning? Great. Good, good, good. All right, well, Andy, you should be doing well because you went 4-1 and one last week. It's about time. Bucky, you went 2-3, and three, so Andy wins wow. last week. And take that. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. All right, well, let's see. If, back on track. Yeah, let's see if Bucky can improve this week. So Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, and they're mm-hmm. squaring off today in the AFC Divisional uh, game in Buffalo. Andy and Bucky, which quarterback will finish the game with more rushing yards, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen? You know, that's a good one. That's a real good one because Burrow will be forced to run where Allen does the running. Uh, I'm going to say Josh Allen though. Ooh, most rushing yards. Ooh, that's a lot because Josh Allen can go for a ton. Uh, I'm gonna say Cincinnati's defense is better. Give me Joe. Give me Joe Burrow. Really? Joe Burrow scoops and scrambles and finds a way to get more. How about that? Wow. All right. Wow. Moving on to the other divisional game this afternoon. The 49ers are taking on the Dallas Cowboys, and a lot of people are predicting this will be a defensive game. Andy Bucky, over or under six and a half combined tackles for loss between the two teams in this game? Mm. Uh, combined, uh, Bucky's up. 
I'll go over. Over, over, over. More sacks, more negative plays. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go over as well because I think Bozo will have about four himself. All right, moving forward, we have the – today Kevin Durant makes his return to Golden State in a matchup between the Nets and the no, Warriors. No, not for, for Golden, you mean for Brooklyn, not for Golden State. Right, he's returning to Golden State there you go. playing on Brooklyn. There you go. Yeah, in a matchup between the Nets and the Warriors. Right. Why don't you let me finish, Andy? I'm Can sorry. I finish? I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. All right, Andy and Bucky, which team will finish with more bench points in this game, the Brooklyn Nets, which Kevin Durant plays on, or the Golden State Warriors? Bench points, huh? Bench points? Yes, sir. Backups. Uh, I'm going to go with Golden State. I'm going with Golden State with this one. Mm. That's a hard one. Mm. Uh, let's go with the other guys. Let's go with the Nets. Are you just trying to be different, Bucky, or are you actually believers in the Nets? Bucky, if I were you, I like the Nets. I'm going back. I think you should follow me, Bucky, because I'm the winner. You know what I'm saying? I'm the champ. (laughs) You're the champ last week. That was last week. (laughs) We're going to the Nets. All right. So, do you guys know anything about women's college hockey? Uh, Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. You do? LIU in Brooklyn is pretty good. Okay. All right, well, the NCAA's highest-scoring offense and number two, number three team in the nation, Minis, University of Minnesota, is taking on number six, Minnesota Duluth. Minnesota this year has scored 116 goals this season through 23 games, while Duluth has scored 86 through 23 games. Andy and Bucky, over or under 55-and-a-half combined saves between the two goalies in this game. Who's up? Bucky's up. That's a lot of that's a lot of shots on goal. Yeah. Um I'm gonna say under. Under fifty five shots on goal. That's a lot of shots. You know that's what though? Just to be uh contrary, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over. I'm going over because it could be a wild game. I'll go over fifty five. That is a that is a lot of shots. That's a lot of shots, but uh, it could get wild. All right, let's end it in Aspen, where we are only one week away from the X Games kicking off, and on Friday the women's big air event takes flight. So Andy and Bucky, will the first place winner score over or under an eighty-five and a half on this event? Mm. Buck, Bucky, yes, me. Uh, eighty-five. Like, how do we even go with that? Uh let's go. Yes, it'll go over. Oh my word! Uh, uh you know what? I'm gonna go no because she went yes. That's the only reason. Believe me, I have no clue on this one. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I say under. <laughs> All right, that's bottom barrel betting. Yeah, I bet it is. Really, you got to throw the aspen in there to kill me, right? Why are you doing that? Because it's the X Games and it's bottom barrel betting. They only come Do through. Do you follow every... the X Games? Who follows the X Games, really? Uh, kind of, <laughs> sort of. Maybe. Bucky, do you follow honor? Do you follow the X Games? No, I, I have no, no idea what no. events are even in the X Games. It's no, the Winter X Games, by the way, not the you know Summer X Games. It doesn't make a difference if it's the Fall X Games or, or the, the no. Autumn Equinox X Games. I don't follow the X Games, really. Yeah. Uh, will they be on TV? Yeah, they will. I'll have to watch now to see if I won or not. 
Really? <laughs> it's great. They're actually pretty cool to watch. I'll, I'll watch them. I will it's like a them. mini summer and winter Olympics. Unbelievable. All right, there we go. Bucky Brooks, Andy Furman, the Swollen Dome. Mike Harmon joins the party right here on Fox Football Sunday next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. And then there were six. Welcome in another hour Fox Football Sunday here, Fox Sports Radio, as we broadcast live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in. I'm Mike Harmon. Alongside me, the legends, Bucky Brooks, years in the league, analyst, NFL, NetworkNFL.com, and of course, longtime radio host and promoter, and he's a guy that has more stories and he's lived many lives. He's our guy. He's Andy Furman at Andy Furman FSR. I think that's a fair way to, to, to say it with some of the stories you've relayed through the years on air, Andy. I appreciate that. I do. Just experience. It's just well, that's just it. a long time. Yeah. But you got to put yourself in the game to have those experiences. I'm trying. And you're an enterprising individual. No question about Listen it. to you. Well. And, you, and you're a renaissance man. We're trying. Yes. Likewise, likewise, it's all it's all about trying, and it, and I think Renaissance is, I think, a pretty good way to start this morning, gentlemen, because we were having a little bit of conversation uh, in, in the booth before uh, before I came and and cracked the old microphone, kind of talking about the histrionics of head coaches and where we're at in this National Football League, and you know what actually spurred it? We're on two channels. I kid you not. We had highlights of last night's thumping of the e, you know, the Eagles just beaten, beaten up on the Giants. So here's Nick Sirianni, and it was a montage of him running up and down, pumping his fist, craning his neck, all of that stuff, uh, doing a lot of f bombs and whatever else. And then on the other was the latest in the iterations of "Hey, and she'll like it too" commercials with Frank Thomas, Doug Flutie, and now Terrell Owens is showing up on that, guys. <laughs> And, and and I had this moment, and we're talking about it. And I, I'm transfixed by the fact that they've got it all set up, and and To still looks chiseled and like he's back in his mid twenties, looking like he's ready to run some routes. And he he goes diving into the pool after the football. But it got us talking a little bit about the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Where he ended his career, still putting up good numbers, and we're always wait for a behind the music like uh, understanding of exactly what happened to keep him out of the league the following year. Uh, and eventually he gets into the Hall of Fame, not happy about having to wait and all. But it was about the Sirianni side of things and coaches and McVay, right, running down into the end zone and some of the younger coaches who are in that, I, I don't know, more fervent and celebratory kind of mode. And I likened it, and I wonder what you two think about this. Andy, we'll start with you, um, is if we're going to say, all right, got to understand that the players are changing – and there's more celebration, there's more back and forth, and, and you've got to adapt to whatever the quote-unquote new age of player is, that we also have to understand the coaches are that age too, which means they may get what seems a little out of pocket, but it's all just in the enthusiasm and allowing themselves to be more than a guy with a clipboard, a headset, and stationary at the 48-yard line. 
Well, I think if you look at the National Football League, and Bucky will agree, I think that they're going, A, younger, younger coaches, B, offensive-minded coaches. And I also believe that, and many coaches, I'm sure, have told Bucky and yourself that you got to be yourself. Players see through that. You, you, you can't be phony, and you can't have emotions on the sideline if it's really not you. I think when you see a, a coach yelling and screaming and you see spitting all over the place, that's him. I mean, that, that's his, his persona. And, and some guys have it, some guys don't. I watch Zach Taylor here in Cincinnati, and he, he's not really that emotional on the sideline. He'll, he'll yell or scream at an official on a call, but other than that, he's not really that that kind of a guy that runs up and down and goes ballistic on the sidelines. But that's him. That's his M.O. Yeah, I think you have to be authentic. And if that's how you get down, that's how you get down. You have to remember this uh, collection of young coaches. They grew up playing video games. They grew up, their first exposure to football, a lot of them may have been on Madden. And on Madden and the things and the histrionics that you saw on the video game. And so that's part of the outward expression in those things. And so the old coach saying, hey, act like you've been there before, where they're countering, well, I haven't been here before. So I'm experiencing it like it's my first time. And so that's what they're doing. Um, it's different. It's different because you do have so much youth and I would say maybe inexperience that you're seeing some of these things kind of play out. And you're going to continue to see it because owners do not know what they want to hire and what they're looking for in a head coach. And so when everyone says, hey, I want young and offensive, you're going to see all these guys in line to have an opportunity to get uh, a head coaching job. But I just find it interesting that the mandate is we want young offensive coaches when they're 10 vacancies for OC jobs. Well, and that's right. exactly where that I was going to go with it, Bucky, yeah. is you know, we want to <laughs> grow this. We want to have this this rise. And, and look, there might be another one if Mike Kafka in all his interviews today gets a little bit of love, right? You know, coming out of what he did with the Giants and, and back with the Kansas City Chiefs. But to, to that point, right? I mean, I know you got to have a fall guy. We famously have been saying that forever of point the finger and move it down the line. You just normally you'd, you'd have the head coach on the, on the chopping block. Is it's just owners don't want to cut the bigger check and they just kind of point the finger in a, in a direction of a guy who's a little lesser played and you can, you know, put all the blame on that side of the ball if you're not scoring like Mahomes and these guys? I, I think there's something to do with it. I, I, and I do believe that the standards should be a little higher for offense coordinators because all the league rules have been done with the offense in mind to, to, to have an uptick in scoring. And I want to say this year was the first year in a long time that scoring actually went down. Right. And so we will, uh, we're having the, these guys who want to see the ball fly all over the yard. We want to see these big plays. Um, the one thing that I would challenge everybody because we want to see all these points you know, defensive coordinators are smart, too. And so what they've done is they've taken away the big plays by parking two safeties deep and saying, yeah, we're not giving up the big play. You're going to have to nickel and diamond, and we're okay with, with you accumulating yards but not points. And so it's just we're in the middle of, I would say, kind of a crossroads in terms of how football is going to be played. But I feel like we have this, this mandate from ownership we want young and inexperienced because we feel like that'll grow together. But I'm like anybody who's a head coach has to grow with their team, regardless of age. I don't yeah, but I will say, yeah, but, but here's another factor. I think that their coaches, when they come in, they want to feel comfortable with their own staff. I think that when Byron Leftwich got the hook 
as offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. I think it's because Todd Bowles wants to bring in his own staff. He was promoted to the head coach last March. It may have been too late. So he wants to hire someone that he's comfortable with. He may not have been comfortable mm-hmm. with Byron Leftwich. I mean, and the public looks at it and say, wait, how could you get rid of Byron Leftwich three years ago? He took this team to the Super Bowl and won. Yeah, I, I get that. Their offense was down this year. Many excuses for that. The injuries on the offensive line, but more more so than anything else, Todd Bowles wants his own guy. And there's something to that, and that that's that's a very reasonable take because for Todd Bowles, he did get the job uh, almost as an interim type head coach, but he got the job. He couldn't make staff changes, so he wants to have his own guys because ultimately, if you're responsible for the performance of the team, you want to make sure that everyone that you have in place is able to do the things that you want to get done. So I, I I get that. I think the bigger thing with all of the, I guess, unrest and stuff with offense, I think it will never admit this on the outside, uh, us trying to make football uh, a quarterback centric, the quarterback does everything has been to the detriment of coaches because you have all these coaches that are trying to make the quarterback, the primary playmaker and some quarterbacks aren't ready to do that. And so uh, you get disappointed in the quarterback's performance and you blame it on the coach. Well, maybe the coach just wasn't capable of being a playmaker. Maybe he's always destined to be a manager. Uh, it's the hardest position in football. Uh, we listed out the top five, and I racked my brain trying to figure out who the top five are. And I think that right there speaks volumes to yeah. the elite class is very small. Everybody is a bunch of I won't say guys, but they're a bunch of guys. And so we just have to be careful. Just because a quarterback makes $40 million does not mean that he's a $40 million quarterback. I do yeah, and everybody went crazy when Jeff Saturday was made a coach, or at least the interim coach of the Indianapolis Colts. How come no one said boo when the New England Patriots hired Mike Patricia as the offensive coordinator who never called an offensive play in his life? He was always on the defensive side of the ball. As a matter of fact, wasn't it the offensive line coach this year calling the offensive plays? And he's gone. Well, that was, that was pretty that. roundly mocked, Andy. I, I don't I don't know that it got a lot of scrutiny. I, ju- I just think it, it was questioned. Got, I, I think know, I think yeah. we just kind of laughed at it and said, "What the hell's Bill doing?" Right. More more than anything else, right? It, it was a all right. Here's a, a guy that in the post Brady world has decided I'm doing it my way, and here here's the most chaotic way I can do this is guys that have always been on the other side of the ball. And just, you know, say, well, they'll be able to flip the script and be able to do it the other way because they've been so good at stopping it all these years. Right. Which is kind of interesting logic. Right. I mean, to some degree, I can go along with him that way. But then we watched how it played out on the field. And, And I think part of that is more the continued indictment of Bill Belichick, the roster maker, rather than the coach. Yeah, um, I, I think some of that. And I'm not necessarily surprised or those things. I, I, I think I was actually hopeful that Matt Patricia would be decent because I wanted people to think outside of the box sure. when it came to these hires. Well, it's like the because Saturday I thing. Like, yeah, I feel like we're in this, this thing where we only believe that offensive guys are the smart coaches in the league. Like we, we think the, the defensive guys are the rubber guys, but the offensive guys are the smarty yardies in the room. And so I wanted a defensive guy to have an opportunity to be like, no, we can go on both sides. Because when you think about the legends, uh, Tom Landry, Tom Landry called offense and defense during his time in the league, called defense for the New York Giants as their defensive coordinator years ago. But when he was the uh, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, 
he called the offense. And so just being able to have like that kind of flexibility to me, I wanted to appreciate like, oh, okay, cool. Like you could do a couple of different things. Like you're a high school coach. Yeah, but I will tell you this much. There are certain guys that just can't get it done on either side of the ball. And I looked like a Matt Patricia. No, seriously. I mean, he, he failed in Detroit. He really did. I mean, there are certain guys that just, I mean, Todd Bowles, he failed in New York. I just think that some guys don't have the coaching genes for whatever the reason. I know the X's and O's, but it's all about relating to people. That's what coaching's all about, dealing with personalities. And some guys can't do it. I'm sure that you take Todd Bowles and Matt Patricia in a room, they could diagram anything you want and game plan all you want, but they just can't relate to the players. Maybe I'm mistaken. I didn't play the game. You did, Bucky. No, I mean, like, there's something to that. But I will say this. Just because you're a good coordinator doesn't mean you're a great no, that's right. Yeah. And there's yeah. no – the jobs are completely uh, different. Like, your job of getting one side ready to play, uh, dealing with strategy and Joe's things, doesn't have anything to do with being the head coach where you have to control three units. you got to control 53-plus guys. you got to manage a coaching staff and all the other things that come along with it. It is a completely different job. And it's about um, – being able to be a true leader, which is what you're talking about. It is about relationships and being able to hold people accountable while also putting together plans and all of that. It, it is a different job. And I think we make the mistake of thinking that the guy that we see with the big old play sheet, the big old cheesecake factory menu, that that person <laughs> that's has, a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. Has, has the ability to do those things and, and, and it's unrelated. And so it's one of those things that's, perpetuated by the way that we see games because on broadcast we have guys talk about the play caller and his ingenuity but guess what when you look at broadcast who are the guys that are normally the broadcasters former quarterbacks so all we get in that ear is about the quarterback quarterback play he has to do this got to help the quarterback yada 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 and so it becomes a reality and so Football isn't always about the quarterback. It never has been all about the quarterback, even though they are a very central part of a successful strategy. It has to be about the team and who can manage the entire team. It's funny you bring that up because that's where we'll pivot to next here as we continue uh, from the TireRack.com studios talking a, a little celebration uh, for the other positions, including uh, offensive line. We got the quarterback carousel. We have one coaching decision that's on the board that thus far the list of candidates uh, makes me very curious, gentlemen, just as well as the way this uh, coaching hiring process has gone. He's Andy Furman. That's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Harmon. You're listening to Fox Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. And we can talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards. Or we can talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash at any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms do apply. Coaching. Let's give it a spin next year on Fox. Keep waiting for it to be the full house uh, opening, but it's not. Welcome back in. We're live from the TireRack.com Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's Fox Football Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Andy Furman and our guy Bucky Brooks. Having a blast with you. Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your Sunday morning. We know you got a lot of entertainment information, opportunities to enrage, engage, scintillate, uh, and and send you into well sometimes in a rage right that depending on what you're listening to maybe the music gets your pu- blood pumping whatever it is walking the dog making breakfast to from services we appreciate you giving us a couple of minutes of your time on the terrestrial airways over 400 affiliates nationwide thank you to those PDs 
and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, you can take wherever you are, even if you're going to climb a rocket ship to the moon. All right, fellas, uh, we were talking a little bit about the coaching carousel and wanted to get your perspective on one that I, I find kind of interesting amidst all these other hires, right? Uh, and, well, two things. One, the overall idea of this coaching carousel, it feels more transparent and more like a co- political campaign than I've ever heard a coaching candidacy. Here, we just finished an interview with him. How quickly can I get to Instagram to post about it and tell you that they've just left the facility or we just hung up the phone? Uh, Sean Payton telling you uh, his itinerary. I joked the other night that it feels like we're tracking Santa Claus, uh, a NORAD during the holiday season. Oh, there he is. He's flying over Minnesota. He'll be here soon. Uh, And then you've got the Arizona Cardinals who seem to be doing things well, convert, you know, go the opposite, right? Do do the opposite. The old George Costanza line from Seinfeld all those years ago, you know, the I'm short, I'm bald, I'm unemployed, and I live with my parents. And the girl goes, hi, I'm Vanessa. You know, that kind of thing. So you, you have the Cardinals who have the $200 million question of Kyler Murray and not only his health, but, well, what do you do to fix multiple second-half disasters here. Yeah, firing Cliff Kingsbury and sending him out was one thing. But now you see all the candidates for the job, and it's Vance Joseph, it's Brian Flores, maybe getting another uh, hat back in the ring. And it's a, a parade of defensive coaches going against the grain of those offensive wizards like we were just talking about. But you still need someone at the core of it to figure out the mercurial quarterback. So I raise this to you, Bucky, first. Like, what am I missing in this process from the Bidwells? Uh, I mean, I think, one, the overall theme is no one wants to be um, kind of pegged as a team that already mailed it in when it came to the coaching hires. And so the reason why you're seeing more transparency and more names listed is because they want everyone to perceive the coaching search to be a very thorough and exhaustive one. So, man, we looked at all these candidates and yada, 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 but then we picked the guy that we wanted to pick anyway. That's, that's what you're seeing. With the Cardinals, um, they hired the general manager this week, Monty Austin Ford. He talked about the kind of team that he wanted. Um, he talked about ego and selfishness and team first and all these other things. And so he is looking for a guy that can lead in a different way than Cliff Kingsbury. What normally happens in these coaching hires, whatever you had before, you want something completely opposite. Because Cliff Kingsbury was perceived to be loosey-goosey, not even really rah-rah, but kind of low energy, they want an energetic disciplinarian to come in and kind of get everybody in line. Uh, I don't know if that necessarily works. I think what has to happen is you got to get the right coach that can lead the team while also developing a relationship with the quarterback. Regardless of whether we like it or not, they signed Kyler Murray to that big deal. They can't go anywhere. He's tied to the franchise for a few years. And so they got to figure out a way to make that work. And maybe he'll respond to hard coaching, but more than like more often than not, he responds to someone that he respects their knowledge and he is going to be challenged by each and every day. It may take him a while to adapt, but he'll eventually uh, acquiesce to those demands and he'll play at a higher level because of it. What what they need to do, and starting from the top, they need like a new brain trust trust that meshes with Kyla Murray. And I won't be surprised, Buck and Mike, that they may bring Kyla Murray in for his input. Not that he's going to hire the guy, but bring him in for the input. Now, you talk about defensive guys. I think yesterday the, the Cardinals interviewed uh, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. 
for the head coaching position. Right. So, so uh, I, I don't think it makes that much of a difference if you have a defensive-minded head coach as long as the offensive coordinator could co- could coexist with the quarterback. That's the key. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Do you, Bucky? Would you have a problem if a defensive guy who's had success as a head coach becomes the head coach, defensive coordinator guy like a Dan Quinn? No, and I think too much has been made of the background. Right. I think too much is made of like, oh, he comes from the defense side of the ball, he comes from the offense side of the ball, or whatever. The head coach is the head coach of the entire team. Uh, I think the most important part, though, is when you take the job and say you're the, the guy who's not the primary play caller on offense, you have to have a plan for if your OC gets another job, then what is going to happen? Can you create a system that is what we call a long-lasting system. Not just, hey, this guy comes in, brings a system. When he leaves, we now have to go to a different system. We have a system that is for our team, and whoever comes in, when they come in and go, that's great. You're running our system while you add some tweaks to it, but this is our base system. I, I will say one thing about the coaching hiring process that'll, that'll be fun, and we alluded to it before, guys, is with the number of offensive coordinator positions that are open, we're going to see some new names churned up. I'm watching a fishing show, so uh, it's only appropriate that I, I think you know, you're know you kind of dredging up and maybe trying to get under those rocks to see what's hiding under there. We might be doing some of that with this OC shirt search for the next great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll see that, but you know what we'll also see? One of the reasons we're seeing the downturn in scoring, we have all these young guys that are running these offenses, but we have the older guys that are running the defense experience and expertise. Man, you're young and dynamic, you got all these ideas, but when you go against that old, wise old, old guy who has seen a bunch of different stuff and they throw some old stuff at you, like, oh, you know what, let me throw a little Buddy Ryan 46 at them from 1985-86. Oh, you're you're not old enough to know what that looked like, so you don't have an answer. That's why you can have the Giants and Wink Martindale have success against some of these guys because they have a lot of pelts on the wall. They've gone through a lot of battles. They have a lot of experience because they had to deal with a bunch of different things. And so I love the youth movement, but I think everyone needs to be careful about going too young because you can be young, but I want you young and experienced. I don't want you young and inexperienced because this game is about experience and being able to convey knowledge to your players. The problem with young, and I think right now we're in a society that you want it to happen like now. You hire a coach, and he's not successful after the first year or second year he's gone. That's why I give Mike Brown and the Cincinnati Bengals a lot of credit, because if Zach Taylor had the record that he had after his first two years on any other team but Cincinnati, he'd be out the window. He'd be gone. They gave him time. They saw something in him. Or maybe, like you say, they didn't want to pay a guy for not working. Maybe he had the contract. right? (laughs) Yeah, right. They didn't want to pay him to say, go ahead and go, but still going to pay you. So I don't know what the answer really was, but I, I think they may have seen something in him, and certainly they got the personnel and made some free agent acquisitions and, and, and they've done well, and he's right now, I, I still think that his body of work has, has something to be desired. You're not going to say he's a great coach, but he's had good success the last two years. I would say this, the uh, two things that come out of this conversation is that we did get the name Wink Martindale in, so it made people start searching the old game show host. Well, tic-tac-toe, <laughs> Maybe a little bit of debt, you know, all of those that he he hosted for all those years with his giant stick microphone like Bob Barker made so famous for all those years. 
So maybe I'll go find some game show network and see if I could call <laughs> some old uh, stuff there. Uh, and you referenced the 85 Bears because I'd be remiss if I, I didn't acknowledge the sack uh, express that is this year's Philadelphia Eagles team because now they're being compared to the 85 Bears. You look at the number of sacks, 75. But they don't have the video there. like the Bears had. No, it's true. That's true. The rap is certainly right. one that you can't topple. And look, Andy, I mean, you you got a team there, right, that you're you're covering and you're in the midst of people excited about another Cincinnati Bengals run here. Bucky, you got to experience some playoff football yesterday, some excitement. We'll get into that game as we continue on this morning. But me, I got nothing. I got the 85 Bears. Okay, I got the 85 Bears of the 16th anniversary of beating the Saints to go lose to Peyton Manning in the rain in Miami. That's all I got as a Bears fan. Wow. That's funny. But but look, it's coming. Uh-huh. We have time. You know, we talk about the patience that was exhibited with Zach Taylor and some of these other coaches. Patience, time, Matt Eberflus. I still find it surprising that there's so many questions around the quarterback and Justin Fields and all that other stuff. But I think as we get closer to the draft, that will continue to kind of pick up. Do they stay along and, and ride with Justin Fields, who kind of made their offense the most exciting that I've seen in a long time. It's in my like lifetime. Watching him run around, you know, so, but, you know, I, we'll see if they continue down that road. Um, but they need time, patience, because it takes a while to build a, a playoff caliber team. It takes even longer to build a championship team. Going all the they way. they have any patience in Denver with uh, Nate Hackett? No, this is true. Uh, yeah. None at all. No, that's that's a whole other thing. We can get to the that coaching uh, higher uh, in particular, because, I mean, it's interesting because along that parallel of Kyla Murray, you know, the old dog, new tricks, and what kind of power does Russell Wilson uh, yield in that room? Yeah, for the Bears at 85, they are also second in scoring for all the love of the defense, just to kind of go back to uh, balance and really? execution. Yeah, they were. Hmm. Believe it wow. or not. That's that's what I mean. Like it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they they, yeah, they actually maybe all those all those turnovers and short fields and returns and all that they were set up. Well, yeah, that that's how they got Hester. to the Super Bowl with Lovey Smith and company, right? It was Devin Hester and the defense making it play. Yeah, maybe maybe there's something to that when you're Chicago. Maybe the team has to always be built like that's that. That's it. So yeah, just I want to go back to, to go. something you touched on with that stick microphone. I think it was Gene Rayburn with the match. Nicely game. done. Mm. Now that is a good poll right there. Thank you. There we go. I, I think we're going to do a thing on the history of game show hosts because I think we're all uh, we're all children of that era, right? You'd run home and and maybe you'd have Jeopardy on at three in the afternoon Ooh. instead of six thirty at night. One of the greatest shows, and I, and I'm surprised I haven't brought it back was Concentration. Oh, nicely done. That was a good one. That and I need more of uh, the original Press Your Luck. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, and now we're uh, careening down a deep, dark highway. Because I'll start giving you pitches on, on game shows that we should do uh, as like, uh, on, on YouTube, the three of us. Uh, he's Andy Furman. That's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Carmen. Reminder, hey, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. How are they going to be able to bundle and save the bacon of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? Maybe Nick Cope has the answer in what's trending. 
Well, you're talking about game show hosts, and I immediately thought of Richard Dawson as well. Got to get his name right, included right. in all well, that mix, too. Little, do you want, like, Running Man, Richard Dawson, or Let's Kiss Everybody, <laughs> Family Feud? <laughs> you got to go Family Feud. Come on. It's iconic. Yeah, no, I was just saying in 2023, I don't know how much uh, Richard Dawson would get away with. Uh, yeah, with I, haven't, I haven't watched the Game Show Network in a while, but I wonder, uh, th- those reruns might have stopped airing Oh, no, a no, they're ago. there. Oh, they're, they're, they're oh, still yeah. there. Okay. 100%. <laughs> those were impressionable as a kid. Oh, boy. You just mentioned uh, Joe Burrow, NFL Media reporting this morning that they are targeting this offseason to sign him to a big contract extension. He's currently on year three of a rookie deal. He's under contract for next year, and then the Bengals have the option for a fifth year, so they don't have to do it this offseason, uh, but it sounds like Cincinnati wants to get it done coming up this offseason. You guys are also talking about the coaching carousel and Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka following Saturday's loss to the Eagles 38-7. Kafka's got three interviews lined up today for head coaching positions with the Panthers, the Texans, and the Colts, and defensive coordinator for New York, Wink Martindale, he is also going to be interviewing with the Colts today. Also, you've got this report. Wait a timeout for the same yes. head coach. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They're both wow. going to interview for the Colts position. And the today. Colts have interviewed 37 guys yeah. already. Wow. <laughs> and Jeff Saturday will walk away victorious in the end. Look, we yeah. checked everybody. He was the best. Checked all the boxes. <laughs> Uh, th- this report from NFL Media, Clint Kubiak, son of Gary, is going to interview today to be the Jets' offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach with Denver this past season, so obviously he's going to be in the market to end up somewhere. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, they are in the AFC title game for the fifth consecutive year, 27-20 over the Jaguars. Patrick Mahomes playing through that injured ankle. He is set to have an MRI today. As we look ahead to today's games. You know the Bengals are going to be without some offensive linemen. The right guard Alex Kappa and the left tackle Jonah Williams. Quarterback Trey Flowers is listed as doubtful for the Bills. A couple defensive linemen are going to be game time decisions. That's nose tackle Jordan Phillips and defensive end Daquan Jones. Niners and Cowboys at 6.30 Eastern on Fox. Pretty healthy, uh, but for the Niners, cornerback Ambry Thomas is out. He's been in a reserve role this year, but a veteran name you guys will know, Janoris Jenkins. He's been called up from the practice squad to serve as a backup for San Francisco. For the Cowboys, left tackle Jason Peters out. Probably going to put the rookie Tyler Smith at left tackle is what it sounds like, and then have Connor McGovern play left guard. And safety, J. Ron Curse. He's listed as questionable for Dallas, but he said all week, He's playing 100%. Finally, just an Australian Open update. The top seed on the women's side, Iga Fiontech. She bows out in the round of 16. So, too, the young American star Coco Goff. She fell in straight sets. But the top American woman, the third-seeded Jess Pagula, she is into the quarterfinals, has not dropped a set. She, of course, of the Pagula family that owns the Bills and the Sabres. Now let's go back to Mike Harmon, Andy Furman, and Bucky Brooks. Appreciate you, Nick. Find Nick on Twitter all the latest, greatest Pac-12 and other content he's got rolling up at N-Cope, N-K-O-O-P. We got Mark, we got Brandon with us here, making us sound oh so pretty this morning. Mike Harmon alongside Andy Furman and Bucky Brooks. And guys, I, I would be remiss if we didn't finish this part of the conversation. He mentioned Clint Kubiak. Don't you just give him an hour to come in and talk, open he dishes on everything that went wrong in, in Denver? Isn't that worth the cost of a flight and, and lunch? 
<laughs> I, I think this. I understand this, but so we're going to hire someone for the OC job. I guess we're doing it based on merit, right? What would lead you to believe that after watching the dumpster fire in Denver offensively, like because remember Nate, Nathaniel Hanky got fired not only because of organization, but because, um, lack of organization and management, but because the offense was terrible. If you're the Jets, that's what you want as your, your new leader. To well, when you've got 37 stories about how bad the quarterback is internally and how much they don't want to play with him. Yeah, like, I don't know, just just weird. You know, again, it's like he's going to get a job and Eric Bieniemy can't. This blows my mind, but it's all about, you know, I know you, I'll take care of you. It's like who you know. I believe that that's what it's all about. I mean, his daddy's going to help him out. That's why he's going to get that job with the Jets. Look, if I have a guy that's available and he's from the Denver Broncos, I'm not touching the guy. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near that. That team was toxic this year. At one time, their, their team was 32nd in scoring offense. I don't care what happened over there. I don't want anything to do with Denver. I want it out of my mind. I don't want it near my team. I want to start fresh. And again, Eric Bieniemy out there in the cold. Can't get a job. See, see about the head coaching job. This one being the yeah. OC of the Jets, right. Robert Sala, still running, running the show for now. Uh, we'll see how how long Woody Johnson lets that play. I mean, I like the attitude, uh, and they built the roster. It's like I've been joking for weeks, right? You got certain organizations like you get to pick the rest of the uh, players, uh, but you don't get to pick this particular position. If I'm in right. Baltimore, you don't get to pick the wide receivers. Uh, if I'm in New York, someone from outside the organization, a special consultant, gets to pick my quarterback. That's the only way it's going to work uh, anymore. But, yeah, Kubiak probably going in with all sorts of slides that still have the uh, Minnesota Vikings logo on them, uh, trying to trade off of 2021. Well, in the Texans, they, fi- they fire a coach every year. No, that's well, it. They have Cully last year. This year, Lovey Smith is gone. But you can't tell me that Eric Bieniemy couldn't have gone 3-13-1. and 100%. Right, 100%. Like, that is one of, like, the uh, trying to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop. The world may never know, Andy. Right. As to exactly yeah. what's gone on. Because what's he had, 15 interviews or something to that effect? It's amazing. Yeah, it and amazing. still waiting out uh, and seeing what the next cycle is. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. That's right. Tune in on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. As we continue here, Fox Football Sunday live from the Tyrac.com studios. We'll get Andy and Bucky's best for today. Divisional round playoff Sundays. Where are our X-Factors? Where are we going? Where are our hearts? Where are our heads? Where are our minds, bodies, and souls? And what are we eating on a beautiful football Sunday? Let's talk about it next here on Fox. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back in. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Football Sunday, live from the Tyrac.com studios. Mike Harmon alongside Andy Furman and Bucky Brooks. Find the guys on Twitter at Andy Furman FSR, at Bucky Brooks. Read Bucky's latest, NFL.com as well. Uh, Bucky and I will continue 10 minutes from now, and Andy will start his pregame preparations for the feast that he will have waiting for the local squad, the Bengals, to try to get it done. Are we are we going to do some Skyline Chili? What are we working on? Today? How do you know? How did you know about that? Three ways and all that stuff. Three ways? You know well, I, I don't know. It's Sunday morning show here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the, I, that I don't know. I know the base. So you can, yeah. you can educate America right now if you want. Well, you got Skyline Chili. A three-way would be like the spaghetti, the chili. Uh, you could have oh, spaghetti. Chi- spaghetti, chili, cheese, onions, beans, you know, four-way, five-way, whatever you want to have it. And then you get the crackers with it, and that's what you do. And that's a big deal here in Cincinnati. But you know what's funny? Uh, I, I am not used to seeing, and maybe I'm crazy here. Maybe you could help me out because you're from Chicago, which is a bigger market than I live in. Now, when the Bears went crazy, did the media people like wear like Bears T-shirts? Oh, sure. Uh, oh, they did. Okay. Oh, so yeah. So the, yeah. guy, the, the guys delivering the news were wearing like Bears jerseys and things like that. Well, especially now, it's still twenty degrees out too, so everybody's got their scullies and everything else going on out there. That- okay, because I, I, I just look at that. I say, wow. I mean, I can't see Walter Cronkite wearing like a New York Giants jersey back in the day. <laughs> Right, I just, how great would that have been? And now the right? evening news with Walter Cronkite, right? I just, Lawrence you know, Taylor and the New York Football exactly. Giants. Exactly, I'm, I'm seeing like the news people, the media people, news guys. Where I can see maybe the weather guys, the weather people, okay? Because they're basically more of a not not as heavy duty, so to speak. But the news guys, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I just you know the journalism factors. Maybe help me out here. Well, I mean, I, I think you could still be a journalist, but show your support for the local team. Yeah. Right? I, I mean. It's a local team. Yeah, it's a local team. But just All in right. general, too. I, I think here on the radio, so many people go out of their way to say, I'm not a fan of stuff. It's like. It's okay. That's what got you into the business. No, you're right. I mean, right? I hear that all the time. You say you're a home. Look, I, I, I've heard for years the late Joe Nuxle, who did the color commentary with Marty Brenneman on Reds Baseball, and they say he's a home. We say, you know what? He is. He played for the Reds. He's a hometown guy. He roots for the Reds. And let's let's face it, who's turning into the radio to hear Reds Baseball games? Reds fans. Exactly. Right? So that's what it's all about. But even us in national media, Andy, Bucky, I mean, look, we have teams that we followed, players that you may gravitate to. It doesn't mean you're uh, like unless you're really just talking out of pocket when a guy's having a, an awful season. Like, say you were still telling me how great Russell Wilson looked all year, I'd have to question your credibility, right? I mean, like, we'll <laughs> give you a drug test, right? I mean, exactly. I mean, that would be the low hanging fruit off of this year's NFL. But but you get my point. Like to that, 
like, yeah, you still have to get checked in terms of your squad. But if anything, if you're a fan of a team, and maybe I'm wrong, Bucky, correct me, uh, I'm probably more critical of my squad, right? Going back to the Justin Fields uh, little mm-hmm. little quip from before. I could talk about, you know, reasons why maybe you're not 100% sold on the guy. But yeah. given your history, you know, what's better? But, you know, it, it's still the same thing. You're probably going to be more critical. Not that you're you're worried about it, but you are going from the heart. And let's face it, fan fanatic. And usually you're all in 100% if things are good. And if they're mediocre or bad, you've got the, the giant two-by-four out, like your hacksaw Jim Duggan. Right. There you go. Yeah, I, I think I think that's changed in recent years. I, th- I think people have leaned into their fandom, even on a national scale. I think you, you're more, uh, you, you, you're more likely to now talk about your teams. You're, hey, this is my team. I'm on a national platform, but my team are the Jacksonville Jaguars, or my team are the New York, the, the Giants, or whatever it is. And so I think that's a part of it. I think people lean into those things now as opposed to and before where you try to do everything. No, I, I think it's changed. I think your team, even though you may live in Jacksonville, you may not be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan because it's all about fantasy football. You can go to a Jacksonville game and root for the opposite team because they're on your fantasy team. That's what it's come down to right now. Well, I still root for those guys, Andy, but like if, if say me as a Chicago kid, I, I wouldn't shy away from drafting Favre or Rodgers. Why? Because on average, I'm still giving up 20 points a game or more. And I got to be a realist about it. They ain't pitching a shutout. So those fantasy points might as well be on my roster. Right. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean I want them to win the game. I want them to lose 31-28 right. every week. All right, last thing. We got two games today. Give me an X factor from one of the games, Andy, first. Nick Bosa's going to have a big day today for the 49ers against the Cowboys. Be careful, Dak. Be careful. Bucky? Wow, DJ Reader inside for the Cincinnati Bengals. Really? Gotta make oh, it happen. Yeah. He's going to have to be big. I-, I love it. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Thanks so much, Andy. We'll talk to you, you down guys. the line. Bucky and I continue next on Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Greetings. Welcome in live and in living color. Another hour of Fox Football Sunday. I've got football on the pitch already. EPL up and rolling here. Bucky Brooks as we await the final day. Uh, You know, Sunday with two two games. I know we get NFL, you know, championship Sunday. But, like, I'm, I'm really starting to stress over the finality of this all. <laughs> you are. Why are you stressing? Because it goes away. And then I got to watch regular bit. season NBA. Just for a little bit. I mean, it's only going for just a little bit. Okay. Like, well, I still have ninety-seven stories. Out. So. Yeah. Right. I mean, coaching carousel, quarterbacks using social media, quarterbacks using their brothers through the media. Because <laughs> you know I have to do that next. Bucky Brooks and me, I'm Mike Carmen. Welcome in Fox Football Sunday, Fox Sports Radio, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Yes, we will circle into the brother's car here in, in a few minutes here because the next iteration of things is is underway and 
curiosity of all the rumor, conjecture, and speculation about the next whereabouts for decade two of the Derek Carr experience in the National Football League. But I'd be remiss if we didn't hit the rewind button where you were yesterday, where, well, may still be uh, as you're rolling through the Chiefs. 27-20 win over the Jaguars, and they'd left the door open on several occasions for the Jaguars to come uh, oh so close, only to have it snatched away, a couple of huge turnovers uh, in key situations, and the fact that we all, if, if you weren't clear, all recognized the greatness and the longevity of Chad Henney one more time. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable to watch in, in terms of the, the opportunity was there for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, look, injuries happen. Pat Mahomes gets banged mm-hmm. up. He's not the same Pat Mahomes that played at an MVP level throughout the season. He goes to the sideline. Shea Henney runs onto the field. Shea Henney not only runs onto the field, but he takes over an offense that is the ball is placed at the two-yard line going the long way. Chiefs have the ball at their own two. You're the Jaguars. This is an opportunity for you to flip the momentum of the game. You're down 10-7, a quick stop, a turnover, anything. You now can just create all kinds of angst and anxiety in that stadium. And what happens? Chad Henney proceeds to drive the Chiefs 98 yards, scores a touchdown, kind of calm the waters a little bit while they were dealing with the storm. And that was really a big part of why the Kansas City Chiefs were able to win. They didn't fall apart when Pat Mahomes went out. Credit to Chad Henney for making the plays. Credit to Andy Reid for being able to kind of shift his play calling on the fly because they could have given uh, Jaguars an opportunity to seize control, and they didn't. And that ultimately was a deciding factor. Get the field goal off of that, do the Jaguars, to make it 17-10. Go into halftime, 17-10, still questions about where Mahomes is physically, uh, and right out of the gate, force force a punt, six plays, 13 yards, trade punts before they, they add another field goal to make it 20-10. But the Jags respond with the seven-play, 75-yard, quick-strike, three-minute drive, ETN, uh, with the rush from four yards out, and all of a sudden we got ourselves a game, 27-20. And as I alluded to before, the you know interception, the the fumble at the six yard line, the one that I think will stick with a lot of Jaguars fans uh, coming off of just the opportunity. But you see the growth in the squad, and and I think the the video that came out uh, that will resonate most with folks was Trevor Lawrence standing in the tunnel, waiting to acknowledge and dap up and hug every teammate and going into an offseason with a lot of promise, right? You got a lot of others where you're, you're selling hope. I don't think you need to do a big sell job for the Jaguars right now. No, you don't need to do a big sell job, but I think it's important if you're a Jaguars fan, uh, you got to look at this through real lenses. Uh, the teams that you have to climb to get to the Super Bowl in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Cincinnati Bengals. As you're thinking about how does this team improve, they have to improve with those three teams in mind. How can you try out a team that can go toe-to-toe with the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Cincinnati Bengals? To me, more pass rushers, elite cornerbacks, and better play. Continue to improve the offensive line play. That's how you have to do it, and that has to be the emphasis uh, and the focus of the team going into the offseason. And it's a curiosity because they spent a bunch last year. I know many people pointed out the Christian Kirk 
uh, contract is one, but you look at the combination of he's a Jones and Evan Ingram, they gave you all you could have anticipated as a trio, kind of a Voltron effect as opposed to Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill and the one guy. Uh, but from a dollars and, and cash perspective relative to the cap, they are one of the teams that are going to have to be creative as they try to build the next iteration. Yeah, well, you know, they got a bunch of free agents because got a lot of those guys that they brought over, Evan Ingram, free agent, or Key is a free agent. Uh, the rest of the free agents, I think you can be okay if you don't re-sign those guys. Uh, Calvin Ridley is a bonus pick yeah, because that's, he comes that's over. Factor, they get yeah. him in a trade. Now it's been two years, so we don't know what that's going to look like, how long it's going to take him to shake off the rust. But he's another weapon that goes in the arsenal around Trevor Lawrence. And so you like those pieces and those things. Defensively is where I think most of the work has to be done. How do you improve the pass rush where if you want to play the kind of game that you played last night where you want to play bend but don't break, don't give up the big plays, we're going to lean on our four-man rush where those four rushers have to be dominant. Uh, You took Trayvon Walker, your number one overall pick a year ago. Can he dominate at a high level? Josh Allen, who's played at a Pro Bowl level, can he take another step and become the consistent dominator? But somebody else has to emerge. You have to have another guy that you can count on to get it done. And then on the outside, you have to determine, do I want to be a man-to-man team or do I want to be a zone team? Because that ultimately would dictate the type of players that you get in free agency and also the draft. And so they have some decisions to make, but they have to make those decisions with the eye towards the big three in the AFC. Now, Bucky, we'll spend the the majority of this hour talking about the games today, previewing the good, the bad, the ugly to come uh, as we try to get our final four set. But be remiss if we didn't spend a couple of minutes on the nightcap, third go-round between the Giants and the Eagles. In the end, an absolute burial from pillar to post. Some decisions, uh, Dable got aggressive and, well, paid the price for it. Daniel Jones, who people – you use the term elite – uh, properly last hour because normally when people say elite in the NFL they start rattling off 12 guys it's not the way it goes mm-hmm. uh, and Daniel Jones we had a, a promo Smith and I having this conversation because people were starting to get really excited about Daniel Jones like no, no no I need more than one or two games like he's been good he's been efficient this year they've done a good job right 15 touchdowns against five picks efficient running the football seven touchdowns and the yardage that he picked up but It's far from a finished product, and when we talk about building a squad, the fact that you have Richie James and Saquon Barkley are your leading receivers, and that's not just the last night. That's for the season, and both of them led with 57 catches. You don't have an A1 there. Darius Slayton, a name people would remember, uh, 46 catches. But we could extol the virtues. Hurts playing injured, the wide receiving core they've amassed there, but it comes back to running the ball 44 times, 268 yards. And how about some love for the offensive and defensive lines? You know, that's the thing. You know, Mike Harmon, when you look at the way the Philadelphia Eagles have been built, just watch their drafts. Their drafts, they always take big guys early. They are the ones, they are the the prudent shoppers in Costco. They don't go to all the stuff. They don't get stuck in the aisle with all the muffins. They don't go (laughs) and get all the other stuff and say, oh, you know what I need? 70 batteries. They go and get the meats and the basic stuff, you know? And so that's why they're able to win games because their offensive line is always amongst the best in football. And then defensively, you talked about the comparison to the 85 Bears when it came to the sack numbers. Four D linemen that have gone over 10 sacks this season. Amazing. They accounted for going into the game, they accounted for 60 of their 69 sacks just from the front line. 
so they can line up and rush forward, drop seven, and play whatever kind of zone coverage you want to play behind it, and they've been successful. That's where the Philadelphia Eagles win the game. They win it in the trenches, and so it's one of the things that the teams that want to deal with the Eagles over the next four or five years, you're going to have to up your offensive and defensive lines because that's where they're winning games. And it's funny because we came into the game not only wondering about Hertz's injury, but how much the offensive line of the Eagles would be impacted, right? Lane Johnson and others coming in banged up, and that's been the strength of the Giants on the other side, playing a little bit of bully ball with the defensive front, and it was decidedly one-sided. I'd be remiss if we didn't note the uh, ingenuity of the Kansas City Chiefs fans uh, who had, didn't want to wait for the parking lot for the game to open. No, no, no. They had the opportunity to go and tailgate early uh, because there was a lacrosse game being played. So they were able to take advantage of those parking lots that were then open for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Fully, fully lathered up. How do you like and that? I can tell you, fully lathered up when the game came. I mean, they were ready to go. They were peak performers from the jump. And you could tell it was super loud. They might have been a little annoyed that Trevor Lawrence was perceived to not give them their proper respect when it came to how loud the stadium was. And so they sent out a, a, a reminder real quick about how loud that stadium could be. Yeah, see, that, that was a guy that I think got, got caught up, unfortunately, with he was trying to do the right thing and celebrating that it got loud in Jacksonville the last couple of weeks to a whole other level. Right? I mean, Fred Taylor, we talked about it last week, Bucky. You know, Fred Taylor mentioning what that finale sounded like. And then, you know, all, all of that excitement that he, he was um, trying to just pump up. Hey, our fan base is as jacked up as they've mm-hmm. ever been. And unfortunately, you were headed to Arrowhead. So they, they certainly were ready for that fight. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And they took it personal, even though when you go back and you look at the quote and you hear the quote, there was a huge sound bite um, that had some other stuff around it that was very complimentary right. of. Yeah, but you know, like we're like don't well, let facts get in the way of a good story. Well, it's like the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> thing about MVP this week, right? We got the the yeah. first clip that made the way around, and then the rest of the audio is released. Like, yeah, he talked about winning in the other clip. Damn it! <laughs> it kills the whole thing. It made it so it's far less juicy, and everybody, including us, because it was fast. And uh, hey, this is the initial react. You take the bait. Uh, one last thing from from the Giants game. What do you do with Daniel Jones? Uh, you have to resign him. You have to resign him. And so like, what you're doing now is you have to have uh, a simultaneous negotiation with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Uh, it is easier to franchise Saquon Barkley and try to reach a deal with Daniel Jones. The thing is, now you have to look back and say, okay, who do we want to be married to the longest? Are we more committed to Saquon Barkley? Will we give him three or four years? Or do we want to run this back with Daniel Jones for three or four years? Um, this is where uh, I would probably say management might have been okay, like him having a more pedestrian game, that final game, because that's the one that is the lasting image that we as fans will have. Because now when they're like, yeah, no, we're not budging. We're not going to $40 million for Daniel Jones. Whereas if it was last week, everyone would have been like, oh, you got to pay him. You got to pay him $42 million. Sure. Like that's the going rate. That's the market value. You got to pay the quarterback. Now everyone is like, ah. I don't know if I want to go to high. I think they probably would try and run it back and, and get them at a good number. But worst case, you go to Saquon and say, hey, man, one of you guys is going to get the tag. Who wants to sign first? You know, if you sign Saquon Barkley, then you can tag Daniel Jones and kind of play this this game. And so it'll be interesting to see which way they go.
I'll be curious. We talked about Mike Kafka and the uh, interviews he's got slated today. One thing Daniel Jones could use is a bit of stability in that organization. So if I'm Brian Dable, I'm sending all sorts of texts reminding him how terrible uh, all these coaching uh, jobs are. And and trying to you know, obfuscate the idea that it's one of 32 in a lifetime uh, goal for you. You know, but here's the thing, though. If you're Brian Dable, Brian Dable always has this in his back pocket. If I need to roll up my sleeves and call the offense, I'm more than capable of being true. able to do it. You know, and so his first year, he got his feet wet as the CEO head coach. But I am sure that now that he knows what it's like to, to, to manage the entire team, if he had to be the play caller, he could handle the play calling duties. And one thing that we don't know is how involved was he behind the scenes in what took place with the offense? You know, I know Mike Kafka called the plays, but was he calling the plays of his own offense or was he calling the offense that, hey, this is my offense. I'm going to teach you how to call it. Now you're doing it. And, man, you look really good. That, that that would be the big thing uh, going forward if Mike Kafka departs. That is a fair question. But like the Jaguars, you got to at least like the fight and the identity that's being established if you're a Giants fan. I know Smith was lamenting it all week as a fan of the New York football Jets on our show here on Fox Sports Radio. Reminder, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive progressive.com coming up next we will turn our attention to today's games two more entrants trying to make it to championship week who will they be how is it going to be written when we start putting this script on paper we'll do it next here he's bucky brooks i'm mike Harmon, and this is fox football sunday do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in live from the Tyrac.com Fox Sports Radio Studios. It is Fox Football Sunday. I'm Mike Harmon alongside NFL veteran and NFL analyst, my guy Bucky Brooks, man about town at Bucky Brooks, where you find him on Twitter. They had a fantastic season, did the Jacksonville Jaguars. I can't wait to read all your notes and your book from being around the team and seeing the growth of Trevor Lawrence. What did I learn on the road this year? Oh, my gosh. Um, I learned that coaching matters. 
and that when you have a good coach, a good coach will find a way to accentuate the strengths of the players that he has, particularly the quarterback. And with Doug Peterson, what he did is he helped Trevor Lawrence grow so much uh, in one year. When I think about the Trevor Lawrence that I saw at the first half of the season, that was kind of struggling with how to execute and perform, particularly in the red zone, to the one that was very calm, cool, collected, that made plays, that rallied team back on numerous comebacks down the stretch. Uh, a one who played fairly well uh, in the divisional round. Uh, I think you're very optimistic that, man, it's really going to pop for him next year because normally uh, the, the biggest sign of growth is from the first year to the second year. And so when you think about the second year in Doug Peterson's system, when he gets a chance to know him, yeah, I think you're very optimistic about what he could be. I was going to say, you kind of redshirt that first year. Can I put it on Twitter then that, you know, I'll read between the lines that uh, everything that Urban Meyer did to sabotage a young Trevor Lawrence was reversed. Uh, and pushed forward by Doug Peterson. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, you absolutely can put that up there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut and print it uh, as we go here. A uh, couple of games later on today, a uh, couple of uh, very exciting and anticipated matchups, million storylines coming out of each. We'll start with the, the AFC, Cincinnati and Buffalo, the game that we didn't get to see finish. Tragic circumstances. Good to see DeMar Hamlin and the, the positivity and the updates that we get daily uh, regarding his condition. Uh, and we'll all stay apprised of that as this road to the Super Bowl happens and obviously into the offseason. But we, we look at the early part of that game. Cincinnati's offense started to go to work. And yeah. Higgins caught that early touchdown. And everybody was like, oh, here we go, you know, throwing the big haymakers. I'm introducing my daughter to the uh, Rocky series. So it was kind of one of those. He came flying out of the out of the corner, you know, throwing haymakers. I mean, it's like we're just getting this thing done fast. Quick night work. Mike Tyson style, uh, as it were. But when we look at the the Bengals and Bills overall, I just wanted to shed a little spotlight for folks on the narrative, right? Because when we look at the Bills, you may not love the run game of Singletary and Cook. may not love it. A lot is always talked about Josh Allen and his legs. Rightly so. Guy makes big plays, extends himself, puts himself in a hard way, all those things. You know that the Bills averaged uh, 40 yards more on the ground per game than the Bengals did this year? Yeah, I can believe that because the quarterback play, the quarterback, the bonus, that's the bonus yards that you don't account for. The Bengals don't necessarily get that from Joe Burrow. They get scrambles and extended plays, but not quarterback run game, not, hey, I'm going to take over the game, single wing type stuff that we've seen Josh Allen do. Yeah, it's it's just that curiosity because the, the narrative is so – one-sided and I and I get Joe Burrow we still look at the yards per game and and part of that Buffalo dealt with a ton of injuries on the defensive side through the year and well again with Josh Allen at times giving you some turnovers yeah you you extend play and and have to uh, perhaps chase a, a little bit along the way but just wanted to raise the hand that the running backs did did their job and and as receivers they were kind of in line with what Mixon was doing at the Samaji Piran mm-hmm. line for effect. But the big story of the day right now is the fact that the Bengals will be down several offensive linemen. Uh, and that, and that's, I guess, the, the tipping point here is play calling, the ability to stave off a pass rush. 
you know, how do you attack Joe Burrow in, in this one, you know, owing to the playmakers that he has and the fact that you had a guy like Mixon that did catch the ball 60 times out of the backfield this year? Uh, I think what you're going to see from the Cincinnati Bengals is a spread and shit and, and shred approach, meaning they're going to spread them out, maybe empty formations, some things where Joe Burrow can see where the pressure's coming from, what the coverage it, or what you're in, and then target mismatches, and the ball will come out of his hands quickly. He has always been at his best when you get five guys out into the route because he puts it on himself to quickly identify and attack. And so he'll identify who's coming, are you bringing pressure, and he'll attack the vulnerable areas. Now, he may take some shots, but he is willing to do that because that's the only way you can mask the, the, the issues that they have up front. You can't bring more bodies in. You just have to spread it out and say, hey, Joe, you have a limited time to get this ball out your hands. Hey, here it is. Go get it. Because we certainly have seen him take uh, his fair share of abuse in the pocket uh, on behalf of his squad. And and we, we talk about the hits piling up, the sacks piling up, always the, the battle. And I'm waiting your uh, creation of the official metric for the National Football League of how much of the blame goes to the O-line versus the non-chipping running back to the quarterback for holding the ball too long. Uh, all of that comes into play. Uh, but when when we're looking at, at, at this squad today, Bucky, I mean, a, a lot of folks calling for Cincinnati uh, to, to finish the job. Buffalo sentimentality uh, and, and a lot of hearts going there. Hamlin, maybe folks, you know, on the Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs bandwagon. Uh, but certainly Cincinnati, something something big in terms of just the way this team has been constructed and the resiliency under Taylor. Well, going into the postseason tournament, I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals were the best team. I feel like they're the best team in the AFC. I feel like they are ready. They haven't been given their just due for going to the Super Bowl a year ago. They beat the Kansas City team that I saw. They beat them three straight times. Um, I felt like they were going to put a thump on the Buffalo Bills in their big Monday night game. Well, now we get a chance to see what it really looks like. But I, I feel good about this Bengals team, regardless of what issues they have in the front line. I just like the pieces that they have everywhere else. And I think that is enough to kind of get them uh, not only to the championship game, I think that can get them back to the big ball. The line has bounced around throughout the week. Saw it uh, five and a half, six to open down to three and a half in some spots, currently sitting at five and a half as we get things started here. 48 and a half, uh, your total for this one. Remember last year, last week we had five games uh, go over the total. The only one that went under, the Monday night game, Dallas and Tampa was .5 under. Brett Maher, okay. a lot of better, still mad at you. Yeah, a lot of better, still mad at him. Now, and Mike Evans for that drop touchdown, by the way. Who's the favorite in this? Buffalo's favorite? Buffalo favorite at home by five and a half. Oof. That's a pretty uh that that extra two points mm. got got a little juicy there. And you know, uh the Bengals are a little salty that they're already selling tickets to the neutral site championship game between the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills if that happens. Yeah, me trying You're, to be Joe Logic of hey, you have to take care of this nah, business more than nah, six days ahead of time. Nah. Come on, we Use don't do ammunition logic. wherever we you can. Do, we don't do logic. <laughs> there's, there's no logic applied to that. Just keep a microphone alongside Joe Mixon. He seems mad at the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, like he's, he's, he's been he's chirping very, about everything. So he's very he's very salty. I like a salty Joe Mixon. Well, that 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 always uh, bodes well for a big playoff matchup. Uh, we'll continue on the other side with the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. A reminder, hey, we can talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, or we can talk about how with Discover you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards terms. They do apply. But now we turn it over to our guy, Isaac Lohenkron. He's got the latest around our sporting universe. What's going on, Ilo? Good morning, fellas. Two of our final four are set in the NFL as on Saturday night, the Philadelphia Eagles advance to the NFC Championship game for the first time in five years with a 38-7 to win over the New York Giants. The Eagles scored touchdowns on four of their five first-half positions possessions. They ran for 268 yards as a team, 112 of them by Kenneth Gainwell, 90 more by Miles Sanders. Afterwards, Giants head coach Brian Dayball cut to the chase. I feel like crap. I mean, it's as honest as you can be. You, know, you work extremely hard to get to this spot. You do not take it for granted. This is a hard place to get to this division round and to move forward. And I feel more for the players and the coaches because we put everything we had into it and we just we didn't get it done. Earlier Saturday, the Kansas City Chiefs advanced to their fifth straight AFC Championship game with a 27-20 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars despite quarterback and Kermit the Frog with a cold. Patrick Mahomes suffering a right ankle injury in the first half. Obviously, I missed some throws. Probably think I could have made if I would have been in the right the right foot position, but luckily for me, I'm not in the right foot position all the time, so I'm able to make some throws like that anyways. <laughs> G-Grover, G-George. X-rays were negative. He'll have more tests today in the NBA on Saturday night. Also a good victory for another Philadelphia team as the 76ers won at Sacramento, 129-127. to 127. They rallied from 21 down to win the game without Joel Embiid and James Harden to complete a 5-0 road trip and break Sacramento's six-game winning streak. Fellas, back to you. Appreciate you, Ilo. And I had Isaac Lowenkron uh, is where you find him on Twitter for all the latest uh, in the offseason that will be for the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks with you here at Fox Football Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Reminder, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Uh, now, uh, I, I didn't make a pick before the the ILO update, just on purpose to uh, circle back here, the quasi pat myself on the back because I I had the the Bills playing the Chiefs in the in the AFC title, and then uh, on the other side I had San Francisco playing well Tampa, so Tampa is gone. Uh, I really wanted it to be Garoppolo and Brady just because I felt like we needed it one time for all the marbles, and, and now neither of them have any any say in any of it. Although Garoppolo is progressing, so they say, uh, adding intrigue uh, and fun uh, as we get deeper into the playoffs here, Bucky. But 49ers, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home, 46-and-a-half the total. Dallas coming in off the thumping of the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady uh, basically said goodbye to everybody in his postgame press conference and a lot of teammates talking like – well, it's a final. We'll we'll see him uh, on the next go round. Even if it looked like at least you could interpret the Byron Leftwich firing as maybe he and Brady 
didn't quite work. But we have Dallas coming off the highs of, of that win into a decided step up in class and the San Francisco 49ers offense, the defense, everything rolling right now. Offensively, they got Eli Mitchell back and he works with McCaffrey. George Kittle has become Brock Purdy's best friend because it's only appropriate to get to the Purdy effect. Everybody talking about the fact that he was Mr. Irrelevant, had a good career at Iowa State, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right now, he has both shoes with a double knot as we go into this divisional playoff round against Dallas here, Bucky. Uh, Impressive, to say the least, thus far. Yeah, very impressive, the job that he's done to this point. Uh, he's, He's seven straight games with two or more passing touchdowns. He's done a really good job of managing the offense. He's been exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants at the position. I would say even an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of how he's played within the system. Sure. Um, you know, the thing that you everyone is wants to see is what happens when the 49ers are down and they take away their offense and they make them uh, operate from a, a straight drop back sense. And I think it's one of those arguments. Yeah, it, it's one that you can make, but if you're the Niners, you never really think about that. You think about always putting yourself in a position to control the game. And they have been able to control the game with their running game, with their complimentary pass attack that features a bunch of play actions and bootlegs and movement plays. And so he has been very, very comfortable. And Kyle Shanahan does a great job of making it very easy for the quarterback. He doesn't have a bunch of full field reads. Everything is right in levels, meaning there's something short, some intermediate, something deep, and it's all in the line of sight. And as long as the quarterback stays within himself, it stays, as we talk about the coloring book analogy, as long as he continues to color inside the lines and doesn't venture outside of it, he's going to have success. So Brock Purdy has not only kind of locked this thing up where he is going to be the guy when Jimmy Garoppolo comes back in the tournament, Brock Purdy is going to be the quarterback. And next season, when they open up and run out the stadium and run out the tunnel in Levi Stadium, Brock Purdy is going to be the quarterback. Like he has been exactly what they wanted. Yeah, you and I have talked about this a while. I see it in my scrolls. You know, all of a sudden the discussion of, well, he, he's taking over for Trey Lance. Like, yeah, those are some yeah. costs, man. In the economic world, in your life, relationship, whatever. Once it's done, it's done. And unfortunately, the guy couldn't stay healthy and someone else stepped into the role. You don't say, oh, you know what? We waited for you. Especially when you got a guy that wasn't a proven commodity to begin with. No, so here's what happens with that. Uh, in sunken costs, I don't think you have to move on from Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is there, but Trey Lance is the backup. And then what happens is Brock Purdy's the starter, Trey Lance is the backup. If something happens to Brock Purdy where he gets injured and Trey Lance gets a chance, well, then Trey Lance will have an opportunity to do what Brock Purdy did, show and prove that he could be the starter, show and prove that he can upgrade the offense with his talents. But right now, he's been too injured. He's been unavailable. He hasn't been around enough to give him anything. And if this is a league where uh, most coaches operate, best players play, well, right now, the guy who has played the best has been Brock Purdy. So he's the one that deserves to play. Let me ask this real quick with with Trey Lance. Uh, In the quarterbacks coming in via the draft, and we look around and expect the carousel to go. We referenced Derek Carr. We have plenty of time to talk about this. Nothing imminent in terms of trades release for him or Brady or Rogers' decisions of trades, retirement, remain with Green Bay. All of that stuff. Plenty of time for that to play out. Uh, but just in the theoretical world, Trey Lance 
I'd be curious to find out where talent evaluators would still rank him relative to the guys coming in and the potential free agents, given his youth, even though he hasn't been available. Well, on the potential free agent market, I mean, it's not crazy attractive. Like, we're talking about those guys. You got Tom Brady, who people want to take on just because of the leadership stuff. But Jimmy Garoppolo has been off-injured. Derek Carr is a bit of an enigma in terms of what are you really getting? I mean, is he a top 10 quarterback or is he more top 15? Um, So Trey Lance would rank behind like those guys. As it relates to the draft, he'd be the second or third quarterback that would be taken. I mean, you have Bryce Young, you have CJ Stroud, you have a wild card in uh, Will Levis from Kentucky. I think he slots right in that, that, that Stroud Levis situation i think bryce young is a better player than those guys but you have to deduct points from his total score because of the frame he, he's six foot he's 185 190 pounds that keeps him from being it but in terms of cj stroud trey lance will love like he's he's in that conversation we'll close out the discussion with a little bit of uh, the other side. What does the Dallas offense have to do to try to upset the apple cart a little bit later on today? And Bucky's best opportunity for you to find a little love in your daily fantasy league. That's right. We need an X factor from these games. Coming up next, I'm Mike Harmon. He's Bucky Brooks, and this is Fox Football Sunday. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in Fox Football Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks. Read Bucky's latest, NFL.com. Catch all his latest content and his thoughts on the sporting world at large at Bucky Brooks, where you find him on Twitter. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Uh, Harmon Rants begins in earnest this week. The Yes, we're going to go into the TikTok world. I'm not going to be doing any dances, although we have decided we're naming the show Calf Time, Bucky. So I've been back, uh, and the road to Swole is on and in full effect to uh, really get the baseball effect uh, to the back of my legs again. So Calf Time, coming soon. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, well, you know, you got you to play to your strengths. Uh, trying to talk about glutes and whatever might get people a little uncomfortable. Calves, 
eh, they're 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 kind of innocuous. You know, they they don't upset the apple cart too terribly much. But we watched the Dallas Cowboys beat up on Tampa last week. Plenty to talk about in the what the next iteration of the Buccaneers is going to be, and we can uh, go Photoshop more uh, helmets on Tom Brady. But in the interim, we've got the Dallas Cowboys ready, as we talked about a little bit with the 49ers side of the ball. Uh, Three-and-a-half-point road dogs going to Santa Clara for this one. Dak Prescott, turnovers have been an issue for the Cowboys offense. We've watched the run game with great success and sputter at times throughout the year. C.D. Lamb, uh, 107 receptions in the regular season, nine scores, nearly 1,400 yards. Dalton Schultz, the guy everybody's circling. I saw someone had an all-first touchdown score parlay of the tight ends. Right now they're two for two, Bucky. (laughs) They're halfway to like $980,000 off the bet that they laid out. That's amazing. With Dalton Schultz, the uh, the guy that he bet in this game, which I think is interesting because it's either him or it's George Kittle who has that best friend moniker for Brock Purdy. But how does this offense attack 49ers defensive front? How do they get Bre- Prescott comfortable? Well, they, they, they want to run the football. And, you know, it could be tough sledding their their offensive line against that, that tough 49ers front line. And so they may have to start out – being a little more aggressive, throwing early, uh, so then they eventually can get to running. Uh, the one thing that I, I worry about with with the Cowboys, I know C.D. Lamb can play at a high level. I don't know about the other guys in the passing game. And so if the Niners decide to take C.D. Lamb away with a double team, who can win their one-on-one battles? Uh, I think it comes down to T.Y. Hilton, Michael Gallup, and Dalton Schultz being able to provide some playmaking on the perimeter. If they don't make any plays, it's going to be real, real hard for Dak Prescott to, to have to throw the ball 35 to 40 times and have enough success to knock them off. Uh, and so that's where the game will be won at from their offensive standpoint. But really the overall thing, can the Dallas Cowboys out hit and out physical the 49ers? Cause that's what it comes down to. The Niners bullied them the last time we saw these teams play how far have the Cowboys come in a year? Can they hit the bully in the mouth? That'll ultimately decide whether they win or lose. Well, it's, everybody's looking for that script. As you laid out uh, last segment on the this hour of the program, you'll find the whole thing up on uh, Fox Sports Weekends, wherever you download your podcast. Look for uh, Brooks and Harmon uh, and download it. Give it five stars. We'll love you forever and ever. Uh, coming up in 10 minutes from now, you got Countdown to kick off with Brian, Jeff, and Bill ready to get you set for all of the prop lines and which sides totals and, and everything you can for your wagering uh, advice and uh, liens along the way. But, you know, Bucky went with Brock Purdy. It's that script. Can Dallas get up on them early and force the action right to where you can unleash Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and that pass rush. You know, I, they had a couple of guys leave due to injury on Monday night against the Bucks for spells, including Parsons, but he was back to doing his uh, video game spin moves by the fourth quarter, so he seems fine. Uh, but the curiosity of, you know, how do you how do you get against Trent Williams and win that chess match to maybe flip that script and finally everybody could say, see, Brock Purdy's not the second coming. He is not Tom Brady. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, it, look, that, so many narratives and so many things that, that need to be done. Michael Parsons has to play like a defensive player of the year winner. He has to dominate this game off the edges um, because if he doesn't, uh, they can wear you down over time running the football. And so this has to be the best tackling performance that we see from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Trayvon Diggs and those guys on the perimeter have to be able to tackle Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle in space if they don't tackle well they have no chance but if they're able to limit the yards after catch the Cowboys have an opportunity to be in this game in the fourth quarter and win it anytime we can talk about yak it's a win selfishly as a radio personality and with some extended family back in the Dallas region uh, I I need the Cowboys to win because I need another week of Jerry Jones (laughs) <laughs> but my head says it ain't happening, and we may we may end up seeing them run out of the gym uh, before it's all said and done. Let me ask you one last one. Uh, we talk about X factors. You gave a defensive player earlier when we were going into the day when we were talking with Andy Furman last hour. How about an offensive player kind of off the radar in that AFC matchup later today between Buffalo and Cincinnati that plays a big role? Uh, James Cook. For the Buffalo Bills. You talked about the Buffalo Bills running game. They need to balance it out so Lou Anarumo can't just focus extensively or exclusively on Josh Allen. The Buffalo Bills need to be able to run the football with their running backs. How salty will Dalvin Cook be if his brother makes the AFC title game? Oh, he'll be salty. He'd be very salty, particularly because <laughs> he's going to be looking down. over at Captain oh, Kirk yeah. a little bit, won't he? Uh, yeah, he's, super salty. <laughs> he's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Carmen. Countdown to kickoff next on Fox. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again and getting to the heart of our stories we're going places we've never gone before and we're bringing you along with us with new segments correspondence and a brand new sound season nine is kicking off with an intimate interview with grammy award-winning singer-songwriter natalia laforcade what's giving you hope right now well when i see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.